Anime is a vast and varied medium, and if you're not already familiar, it can be daunting to find something you might be interested in watching. This is a podcast where three average anime enjoyers introduce their uninitiated co-host to their favorite anime touchstones, so he can join them deep in the weeds. This week we watch Tengen Tapa Gurren Lagan. Gurren Lagan is a 27 episode mecha anime animated by Gainax and co-produced by Anaplex and Konami, which aired in 2007. The Sci-Fi Channel acquired the broadcasting rights of Gurren Lagan and began airing the anime in July of 2008 as part of Sci-Fi's Monday anime block. Gurren Lagan cites Ishikawa's Getter Robo as one of its main influences, particularly towards the end of the series, where the scale becomes absurd, with the robot steadily becoming bigger and bigger. The series takes place in a fictional future where Earth is ruled by the Spiral King who forces mankind to live in isolated subterranean villages. The plot focuses on two teenagers, Simon and Kamina, who live in a subterranean village and wish to go to the surface. Using a mech that Simon finds, they reach the surface and start fighting alongside other humans against the Spiral King's forces before fighting the forces of their true enemy. We watched episodes 1, 2, 3, and 20. I would like to set the scene of our experience with this show, the context in which we watch this. Yeah. 2007, 2008, first year of college, hanging out with friends forming kind of our own little found family of people away at college for the first time. Um, we watched a lot of shows together out in the lounge of the uh, dorm we lived in. And over the course of two weekends back to back, we watched through this entire series. Um, and it was a great bonding experience and a lot of quotes and like, themes from this show really struck a chord with us and was part of our identity, I guess. Also, most notably, one one of the nights we were there watching it, there was a, um, a hockey game in the ice rink that we that was across the parking lot. And someone walked through with a humongous Santa Claus-sized plastic bag of leftover popcorn from the popcorn machine. And was like, hey, you guys want some popcorn? So we spent that night watching Gurren Lagan and eating popcorn until we got sick, basically. Yeah, for, for us, <laughs> this show was like, it, it was not just the show, it was also the, the context. It was a it was a scene, you know? It's like, yeah. it's like the people who are into uh, bands more because of, you know, it was part of the live scene at the, the local, you know, cafe or whatever. It's the thing you do with your friends kind of thing. This show represents a moment in your life. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, we have an extra strong attachment to it from that. Yeah. Uh, as well as just enjoying the show. Nostalgia goggles are definitely yeah. heavy on this one. <laughs> so, I really, really envy your... Oops, sorry, go on. I was going to say, I really envy your college experience because it was so radically different than my own. Oh, my college experience sucked, but, like, this is, like, one good piece that came from that. Oh, uh, 
where I went, we didn't get lounges and uh, other nice amenities like that. Oh yeah, in that regard, it was it was a rich kid's tech college, so we're uh, we're still paying for it. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> thanks school. And I was only there until I broke my feet. So. Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> That's a. It's That's a long, a it's a long, big story. Yeah, college was not great. <laughs> I could have gone to one of those tech colleges, but that that is also a story. Maybe we have to do, design the Patreon and get the Patreon <laughs> for secret story, secret backstories. Ooh, <laughs> I could do it, and then also our our actual play RPG podcast. <laughs> I, I don't, don't ask me where that came from. Okay, so. so I, I'm actually, because of, of our, like, heavy nostalgia goggles on this, I'm actually super interested in hearing what y'all's reaction to this show was, because it is, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, and, like, watching things with your friends is always a totally different vibe than checking something out by yourself. I will well, throw out at this point, uh, 1, 2, 3, and 20... I found to be an interesting choice, and once we get to that point, I'm curious to see what led you to the decision there. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm curious to know. Like, I I definitely had a reason, um, and uh, I mean, I mean, like, one to three, and uh, we, we can probably start talking about episode one soon, um, but, like, one to three is, it, it really is, like, a three-part intro scene like it, it it does a lot of work by itself and tells like a whole story and manages to hit like a lot of the themes that the entire show is going to be about in a really clean way i will say i've this is where i got to come clean with the audience i have previously tried to engage with uh garen lagan and i will i will definitely say bob's opinions are going to be more interesting than my own but yeah, I'm I'm kind of with Bob here. I'm I'm very curious for your decisions on one, two, three, twenty. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, we'll we'll talk about that when we get to that particular ship again. Um, <laughs> I didn't like saying that. I I went for it. But I didn't like it. But it's, uh, bad taste. Is that Japanese? Yeah. It's you know Boruto's dad. <laughs> okay. He might not. Oh, okay. Uh, good, old, good old Boruto. Yeah. Boruto's that must be that. a relative of Naruto. Yes. Yes. It's, it's his son. <laughs> really? Yes. yes. It's Naruto's son. Um, <laughs> Naruto has a son? Naruto's son. Son of... Or, uh, crap. There was a good joke about it. I already screwed it up. He's the son of the son of a ninja man. It's... Okay. Um, it's the Goku Goten... Uh, Gohan effect, not necessarily that. But Naruto's really, a kid, isn't he? He is, what? and then and then he grows up as all children do. Yeah. The, the, so there's Naruto when he's a kid. Then there's Naruto Shippuden, which is a time skip later, and he's like a young adult. And then Boruto is a story about his son, which is in the future again when Naruto is a big old adult father man. I guess I don't know. I don't watch any of that. Or read. I never read. So episode one is called <laughs> Bust Through the Heavens with Your Drill. Um, is this that where the a, issues begin? That was a roundabout way of saying Shippuden means time skip. Yeah. Thank you. 
Okay. <laughs> um. So, Bob, you were saying you would like to uh tag out for covering the episode on this one? Yes, because it this show, maybe not this particular episode, to be honest, or kind of, but the show gave me strong feelings. Which and not like emotional feelings, but like reactionary feelings. Yeah. Okay. I feel like uh, someone who I'm not unbiased, but has a way of explaining it in a way where I could be counterpoint. Okay. okay. Uh Joe, would you like the honors? No. Okay, then I guess it's all on me. <laughs> okay, so uh bust through the heavens with your drill. Uh we open on a cold open of the entire universe exploding, which is a strong choice, if we're being honest. Um we have a bunch of people we don't know on the bridge of a ship, or it might as well be some sort of space battle cruiser, uh, and we get some dope ass lines being said as they are uh, basically sort of sizing up the situation of the big universe-sized battle that they're going into. Uh, so every light is my enemy. Yes. So all the lights in the heavens are our enemy now, huh? And then also... I'll attack them with the fabric of time. And, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who the hell do you think I am? Which, it that line is going to keep coming up. It is like... It's not a specific character's catchphrase, like it kind of is, but it is kind of the catchphrase of the show. Like, there's a lot of things. Like, it, one of the themes about the show is, all right, it's kind of like Metal Gear Solid. Um, it's kind, no, it's sorry, it's kind of like Metal Gear Solid Two. Um, okay, I'm on my own here. That's fine. But Elaborate. It, it's about um, a big theme of this show is sort of uh mimetic legacy like it is not necessarily like there are times when it is about like oh this is so-and-so's son or, or daughter or whatever but there's a lot of times where it's just like no this person lives on because of the impression that they let on other people of the teachings that they they pass on of you know the the way that they influence the personalities of other people and like so in that way who the hell do you think i am is it is like it is one character, but also it ends up being every character in a way that is very central to the show. I like this show. I just sorry, this is going to be me the whole time. Um, hey, but while we're while we're talking about this scene, because th that's pretty much all the scene is. They show up, there's some explosions, and they say some dope ass shit. Uh, show of hands, who was watching the dub and who was watching the sub? Dub all the way. Dub. So, okay. Um, I went ahead and watched this scene in both and then continued with the dub because, um, you know, uh, reading, you don't read. yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, this is this is you know, when we say this is a giant robot show, definitely in the lineage of like a get a robo, part of it is, and and when we were watching it in college, I believe we watched it all subbed, uh. I think there is an element to the show of, you know, robot attack names sound better in Japanese, which I think has a little bit to do with just the sort of like um, staccatic, staccato nature of the language. Um, is that, Joe, is that the right words? Um, it applies. Okay. Um, 
But yeah, because like most of the way their language works, most of the words are made up of their quote unquote letters are basically a consonant and a vowel. So basically everything is consonant, vowel, consonant, vowel. So you get a lot of vowels you can work with to like hold and carry out when you're yelling and stuff like that. So it's just like, it works better that way. Um, but also, uh, I, I think there's something to be said about the, when you're hearing something in your non-native language, the tone of voice in the, you, you know, that, that comes along with it in the other language is kind of like a suggestion of how it sounds. And then your brain can fill in, you know, how it would actually be said in the way that is coolest to you. <laughs> I, I think, um, it delivers the vibe of it a little more than yeah. necessarily the words. Yeah. Yeah. So like watching this show in the dub for basically the first time this time around, I think there's some stuff that just sounds like goofy and not like as bad as cringe, but like some of these characters sound really try hard in a way that I watching it back in the day in Japanese. I just remember being like, Oh no, these guys are just so badass, And I'm, I mini thesis that is, it's part of the sub dub divide. Um, and I, I just bringing that up because that's all over this show. Cause there are attack names. There are people saying like goofy shit. That sounds badass in a moment. Yada, yada. Um, okay. Uh, after the cold open, we get intro to Simon, the driller, uh, who is a little kid living in Giha village. And, he his job is to drill because you need to drill to expand a village and this tells us some things about the village um mainly that it is uh they live completely underground and the that's don't worry i guess we'll explain that uh we see simon uh finds a cool uh keychain that somebody lost from a hot topic and the, uh he sort of keeps it because apparently uh he's part magpie and then uh we see him walking around town and everyone uh sorry all the cool girls are making fun of him because uh he's all dirty and he's looking at his weird stuff and oh isn't it weird that he's a driller and he loves he loves to drill um and he's feeling all down and then uh big bro kamina shows up who is you know part of the big brothers little brothers program for simon uh and he is this like lunkhead older brother character who is also the kind of like I am just going to go after what I want and make it happen logic be damned kind of character. If I may uh interject. Absolutely questions that maybe you can help me. I'm I am here to help. But Simon, is it like he's a legacy driller? Or, like, how do they get assigned jobs? Because not everyone's oh. We learn later on. I don't know. They don't go... We don't get much insight into the way that the society lives. Because it's like, and, like, do they have a sorting hat or something? Hey, well, so we're, we're going to get, in a minute, um, the, uh, his parents were killed in, uh... Uh, tunnel collapse uh, during mm -hmm. an earthquake. So I imagine sometime after that, he was his, like his name was pulled out of a glass globe, and he got taken into <laughs> uh, a child fighting ring. Something like that. I I, I kind of he imagine volunteered for tribute. It, 
I think he seems like the type who, because he says he likes digging because he likes finding treasure. So I imagine it's the kind of thing he would volunteer for anyway. Yeah, he probably signs up for it. It's a statement later on that concerns me with his uh, drill aberration, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Okay. However, okay. I did enjoy the entrance of Joey Wheeler. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, Joey Wheeler shows up episodes later. This is dark-haired Joey Wheeler. Uh, you mean Tristan? Well, you know, he... <laughs> this one's too smart for Tristan. <laughs> He's declaring no, that the sun will Tristan, rise. Not, not, not a bridge, Tristan. <laughs> Where they share a brain cell. Oh god, they do share a brain cell though. Yeah. Um but I was just wondering about the whole drill selection. Yeah, it's I I don't know. Everybody in town he'd be, he be kind of young. And yeah, but but there's the chief, there's him as the drill person, and then everyone just kind of walks around making uh loud, vague statements. <laughs> like, yay, steak. Yeah, some of them gotta be farming, I guess. There's not even any jailers that we learn later on. <laughs> That's true. You just sort of like, hey, we can just go, and then they just go from jail. Um, okay. Uh, okay, continue. Yeah, uh, we'll get to that in a minute, because first what happens, the reason why they end up in jail is because Kamina says, hey, come along, little bro, and bring Simon along to where the boys are hanging out, and they're plotting this plan where they're going to... um defy the village leader and break through the ceiling. And the way that they're going to do that is they're going to release all the mole pigs, which are moles the size of pigs. It's fine. Um, and then let them stampede and turn into some sort of mole pig tornado that will lift them up towards the ceiling. Uh, and everything is going well until the village leader like stops them and shuts them down. And, uh, is like, okay, you're all in trouble. And like, everyone turns his backs on Kamina, who was the leader. Uh, and he's like, ah, Simon, you can go. I know he dragged you along, but Simon's like, no, I got to stick with my bro. Um, and then all of that is interrupted by an earthquake. We get a flashback to Simon's parents being crushed. And then, uh, he goes back to digging and, uh, we get a vo his voiceover sort of giving us the explicit backstory about his parents were crushed, you know. Um, but while he's digging, he finds a big face in the ground. You know, like happens. Like Leads to so many questions. But, and I don't feel like. You really got an answer in the episodes we watched. Definitely. Definitely not in the ones we watched. <laughs> definitely not in the ones we watched. Um, Things are explained a little bit. Tech, Technically, I think there is one line in episode 20 that starts to explain it. We'll get there later. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, after finding this cool face, Simon goes and drills into the jail cell where Kamina is being held uh, because he is so excited at this cool thing he found. And he really he just wants to show it to his bro because it's so cool. Um, And so they just leave jail and they go through the tunnel to this. Oh, no, they don't. Um. Oh. Uh, they're uh, on their way to go see the cool face. And then the ceiling breaks and a big, big boy falls down into the village. Um, which 
Kamina is psyched because now with the ceiling broken, you can see the sky and he is finally proving to everyone that the surface world is real. By the way, everyone was saying that the surface and the sky are just myths. Um, and okay. So there's the moment here where like everyone else is just completely shocked and befuddled and Kamina goes over to the the town leader who's on the ground and is just like, what's so, what's so mad now? You were talking a big game before. And while this dude is cowering, he just like kick picks up his sword and it spins around his neck and he catches it. And it's just, there are moments in this show that are so like, it, you remember in FLCL, the like 720 spin kick scene, this show has moments like that almost like one an episode um it's so good and it's like it is it looks great and it's badass and it's over the top in a way that this show is all about going and like they started early here they do it with the little things sometimes it's great um and then while he's talking shit to this big giant uh metal robot face, uh an anime chick drops into the scene wielding a uh, Barrett anti-tank rifle. <laughs> because anime? She's got to have some muscles in those arms. She's using it raw. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Go off, Kings. I want to hear it. Let me tell you, you don't just hold the barrel of a gun while you fire it like that. I don't know its entire, you know, construction. Perhaps it's special, oh, future, blah, blah, blah. I, I have thoughts about it later. It is that, that is true. It is. It doesn't run on bullets, which I guess. Except when it does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not like combustion. in episode 20. Right now they call it a essentially it's a rifle. gun. I, yeah, I, I think it is, they say something, it's like, it's electric infused or lightning powered or something. I think basically it is closer to a rail gun than a gunpowder gun. Um, oh, good. Well, you energy. can explain away ammo. Yeah, which like, they, they get to that in two episodes. They just like, take time apart to explain a little thing that I didn't think needed explaining, but okay. Um. But yeah, this anime chick is Yoko Littner, and she is barely wearing anything, and the camera loves to oogle her, and... And so does Simone. And anime. Okay. Not exactly. Uh-huh. I, I, I guess, wait, no, I'll bring this up a little later when it, it comes up in the notes more. God, everybody is so excited for later. This is we're just <laughs> building tension at this point. Um Okay, so uh yeah, we will talk about Yoko more. Uh she is another young lady. Uh Joe, do you did you look up what her specific age is cuz I'm pretty sure she's supposed I have to be additional comments about that. <laughs> okay, even better. We'll oh, get to that. Good. Um but she's explaining she's from the underground village next door that nobody from this village even knew existed. And uh, she's explaining that the big robot that fell in is a robot. It's called a gunman because that's just what the mechs in this show were called. I don't know. Fine. It's weird. Um, 
And she's like, all right, come with, I'm here to fight it. So either help me or get out of the way. She's that kind of cool chick, I guess. Um, but also they're just three people fighting a giant, like four story robot with a big club. So, uh, they're kind of dodging around and then Simon's like, oh, wait, hang on. <laughs> You're here now too. Come with us. I still got to show my bro the cool thing. Um, and so they are like sneaking around out of reach of this gunman until Simon brings him up and shows them the big face he found. Uh, and I, I guess since Yoko was here now, she can be like, oh, it's a tiny gunman. Hey, you found your own tiny little mech. And we have this whole scene where Simon basically is like, oh, if it's a cool mech, we can use it to fight uh, the big guy. Here you go, Kamina. You do it, bro. And Kamina's like, hmm. No, this one's yours. You found it. It's yours. Which, like, again, Kamina is such, like, he comes off as such, like, a lunk-headed dope, but there is, like, weirdly, like, small honorable things about him, like the way that he he really does want to support Simon. He really does. His attitude exists specifically to inspire and motivate others. Like, I feel like he does shit so that, like, it drags people along with him to kind of, like, give them the momentum they need to step forward and do a thing. Mm. Sure, he's an instigator. He also likes to look at the rabbits, George. Yeah, I mean... He's not smart enough to be doing that consciously, is the thing. Like, Like, he is doing that. But this is where he gets the line, kick logic out and do the impossible, which like, yes, like don't accept failure through assumption, at least try is like actual legit good advice. But he says it the dumbest way because his thing is like, just charge. Kamina rushes in, you know, um, is it this episode or the next episode where we got the who we're supposed to believe in? That's immediately right now because Simon is all like, oh, no, I can't fight the big guy. I'm just like a little dork. And Kamina's like, don't believe in yourself. Believe in me. Believe in the me who believes in you, which is like, I I swear I've heard that in like, or like the idea behind that. I swear I've heard like an actual like uh, therapy session kind of ideas because it is this idea of like, it doesn't like you don't have to believe in yourself. But if you trust in me, then that means you trust in my judgment and here's my judgment about you. So it's just like, like here, here is your internal validation. It's external validation. Now go give it a try. Um, Yeah, this, this concept, I think really got in deep with our group and like really did. Like, I think a lot of us carry it to this day because of this show. Believe in the belief that other people have in you. It makes sense. It's just because of the character that the uh, because of the character that he is. It's sometimes comes off as no, that can't be right until you sit and think about it. Right, and, and like that's actually you know over the course of the whole show, that's actually kind of the like one of the like ongoing themes or subplots or whatever is just like Kamina says a lot of like supportive but dumbass shit 
And over the course of the show is everybody going like, okay, but what is the actual lesson that we can learn from that dumbass thing he said? And is like translating the, the stupid stuff he says into like functional actual advice. So like when here at the beginning, we're just getting like all of the dumb stuff to set up, but like it, it is, it, it all gets translated by the end. And, and it's, it's an, it's an interesting, like in a, in a lot of ways, this is a, um, a coming of age story, right? Like we follow Simon the whole time and making sense of other people trying to help you is very much a coming of age conflict plot line, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's man. Communist is dumb, but also he was right sometimes. Uh, but anyway, so he gives this pep talk to Simon and then they go have a fight with the little face versus the big face. And then it turns out the little guy who weapons is a drill when it sprouts a drill from the middle of its forehead, which is its body. It kind of looks like Modok. Lagan is kind of a Modok. Yeah, it's like the no. size of a smart car. So it's like all face with no, a little like... spot on top you sit in. <laughs> Because, yeah, I, I didn't think of it the first time I watched this 20, a la 2014, 2015. But, yeah, he, he absolutely looks like MODOK. <laughs> oh, he's a great little MODOK, but he got, like, he's agile. He does flips and shit. Um, but, yeah, so he spouts a drill, and uh, the show follows the rules of the louder you scream, the harder your attack hits. So all three of them in this cramped little cockpit are screaming and uh, hit the giant gunman with the drill, and it blasts them up back through the broken ceiling, and the gunman turns into a cloud of dust and scrap, and then they are... Flying high in the sky on the surface, seeing the sun and the moon and the sky all for the very first time. And uh, that shot was, I think, in school, many of our desktop backgrounds for a good couple of months. Um, oh, yeah. I had the eye catches in a folder that rotated on my background for so long. They're so good. Uh, and then, uh, they just start falling out of the sky, and when they hit the ground, two more gunmen appear, and that's where the first episode ends, on that cliffhanger. Thoughts about episode one, or is everybody still waiting? I will say here, it took me a little bit to get used to faces on bodies. Yeah. style robots. I, I don't know why they went that way with the designs in this show. It is... I don't really like it. I'll say that, but like it's 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 at least consistent. Um, Come episode three, there's a little bit of a change. Yeah, but right now it's odd. I will <laughs> add in. I unlike Nick, I kind of appreciate the difference just because it at least gives it something that sets it apart visually from Gundam insert here or Getter Robo or just about any other mecha show to, to have the face be kind of the body. And if they really are going for some kind of pseudo psycho, uh, deeper train of thought on this and some subtext, that's the word I'm looking for subtext. Hmm. The, the idea of the self and then the arms are just kind of extensions kind of works. True. 
so I appreciate the designs and I, I really appreciate, appreciate stylized art. Even, you know, I will say Borderlands was a very hard game for me to get into just because cell shaded is kind of very glaring when, with fast motion, but stylization is always good with me. I am a very big fan of it. Oh yeah. This show has a lot of style. Like most mm-hmm. Gynax shows. And, and it, is this Gynax or is this Trigger? Uh, it, it both. It was Gynax when they made it. Um, Gynax basically became Studio Trigger. Right. I just didn't know if this was before or after this. Um, that's the only reason I ask it. Um, <clears throat> but I was gonna say, to your point, yes. Trigger really, Gynax hyphen slash whatever. Trigger <clears throat> definitely does have a very noticeable style. Not to overuse a word here. And to their credit, in in my opinion, it's gotten, I'm not saying it is bad now. That is not what I'm saying, but I want to say it has improved over time. In so far to say that is, it has only gotten better. Yeah, I, I want to say it's like their animation style and techniques have basically stayed the same. Like, like pacing and, you know, smudges and stuff like that. But I, I want to say the sort of design sense of the things they're animating has become a little more palatable. Oh, yeah. Time. But, I mean, again, this is where I will give it props. It, they did something that was designed to stand out, and this sure as hell does that. Oh, yeah. And, like... It stands out because it looks kind of goofy, like, whoops, every mech is a different size of MODOK, basically, um, until we start doing other stuff with them, but we'll get to that. Uh, but, like, it also kind of makes sense because this show, a, a thing that always gets me about giant robot shows is that at their core, the giant robots are just ways of magnifying what is ultimately human conflicts. That's why they're shaped like people. And a thing that this show does, especially here at the beginning, when it's kind of small scale, it's a lot of like people just kind of, there's a lot of shit talking to each other, especially here in the early, the early show. Um, and all of these robot designs, they are, you know, 90% face. And when characters are talking in the robots, the faces of the robots animate. So there is this very one-to-one, like, yes, we are, not only are we magnifying the people, but we are magnifying the talking, the conversation. Like, it is, there is a, a... rewatching the show again, uh, there's a lot of things that they do here where it is, it is very much doing a getter robo kind of thing with, you know, um, spiral energy and the combining robots and and all those sort of things in, in very specific ways. But I also feel like it's, like um boiling get a robo down to essences and it's just like yes when robots clash it's people's clashing so it's just like oh we're butting heads that's so literally we're gonna have two robots that are just butting giant metal heads and it's just like subtext be damned we're gonna make sure you you know we're just gonna this show is if they if mech shows were being honest and just put what they are on the tin you get this show in a weird way I could elaborate on that, but let's uh, keep moving. <laughs> um, because we move into episode two. I said I'm going to pilot that thing. 
so this picks up immediately with the fight. Uh, we have uh, Yoko, Kamina, and Simone in the teeny tiny Lagan versus two giant uh, gunmen. Um, and they do a little running around, and then they're about to take a stand when it turns out they're... Lagan sort of powers down and Yoko's out of ammo and uh oh it's terrible but then uh the cavalry arrives the rest of Yoko's town shows up and just starts dumping machine gun fire on these gunmen and uh a little fuzzy guy jumps out of it and that's how we realize that they are piloted robots uh piloted by beast men we will learn uh and sun goes down and the beast men retreat and that's great uh the night after the fight uh, we have some, so, okay, we, we have just, like, I guess everybody meeting Simone and, and Kamina in, in a, a moment of rest, and we do get some, just some character moments here, uh, you know, but, uh, some, some, not backstory, but, like, so, some more understanding of, uh, Sim, Simon and Kamina, uh, Kamina has uh, the line, whenever my ass gets in trouble, you're there to save it. Thanks. Which, like, again, he's showing actual gratitude. Like, he he's aware that he's a dumbass at times. Um, and, yeah, and, like, he's doing his thing. He's supporting Simon, who is, you know, so far out of his depth and terrified and, and struggling to keep a grip. Um, and then Leron appears. Who would like to talk about Leron? Uh, I feel like, uh, for the sake of our podcast, I would like to wait to the end personally to discuss Leron. Okay, or Ron, as he's also known. Let's then we'll uh, I'll do the the quick we'll in that. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the quick version of Leron is um queer coded character who is our. Uh, horny for robot mechanic, uh, like we had in um, Nadezuko. Uh, and we'll talk more about Leron later. He's he's a very strong character. Hmm, like a strong flavor. Yes, he is definitely a strong flavor. Okay, I like that. I like that. Uh, but yeah, so uh, we get more about like, oh, they're seeing the stars for the first time. They don't know what stars are. They're seeing written words for the first time. They don't know what written language is. Okay, um, explain to me how they operate the drills. That's where I was going to bring that up. Um, Which drills? Any drills. Back at the home of the caves, if they can't read, is this really just like teaching them pointing? Uh, oral tradition. Us here. Yeah, apprenticeships and shit. <laughs> Yeah, and, and like, the, the stuff they were using in the old one was, like, all manual tools, which are, like, I've used those, like, sort of, like, hand non-power drills. drills. Yeah. yeah, and a, a lot of those are so, like, purpose-built that their their use is kind of intuitive. Um, but we do get a thing about, um, you know, it's like, oh, when I got into the cockpit, I could just feel what to do. And... We never get a, like, explicit explanation of that, but there is sort of like we do get into this idea of humanity willpower and spiral energy are parallel so it's just like yes anyone who has sufficient willpower 
just figured it was a spinning Yu-Gi-Oh necklace thing. It's it's also that that's a catalyst for it. Like it, uh, again, it's it's doing the it's boiling down the get a robo kind of thing. If you can, if you have will, you can make things happen, and the robots are just facilitating that. So like they can operate these things because they want to make things happen. You know. I have a question. Yeah. Then when did they get their Green Lantern rings? Uh, well, okay. Would they be Green Lanterns, though? I know there's yes, other... Yes, it's well-powered, yes. It is? Okay. Yes. Um. Well, I mean, then in episode one, when he finds a core drill. Like, that's... that's. But that's not a ring. That's a Yu-Gi-Oh! pyramid thing. Listen, I think you can get them both at Hot Topic. They were just in a different aisle. It's yeah. also where Simone gets that cool patch for his jacket um, that we'll get to later. Uh, okay, so again, after the fight, they are on the road back to Littner Village. Uh, they come across some bones and a communist shit talks somebody who uh, was lame enough to die, which, sure, um, but mm-hmm. they still give him a proper burial and they move on. Uh, they get to the town, they're resting. Kamina has a flashback slash dream about how he was with his dad on the surface once, but he hesitated because he was scared to join him and his dad left him behind and his dad went out there and that was a thing. Um, and then they are awoken by a gunman, like, Titanfall-esque falling onto the surface uh, to attack the village. Um, So everyone's just having their coffee and watching the morning gunmen roll in. Um, Boy, I put some notes about Leron in here. Okay, I'm just going to skip that. Uh, As Simon wakes up and he's, uh, you know, getting ready, trying to get uh, Lagan back up and into fighting condition for the coming battle, he realizes that the landing impacts of the gunmen are what was causing the earthquakes underground and are what caused the uh, deaths of his parents. So he immediately goes into revenge mode and Lagan overflows with a burst of green energy and he flies into the fight and, you know, anime happens. Um... And then Kamin is like, oh, okay, so these are gunmen. I'm going to go take one. Um, because, you know. I have thoughts about that, too. We'll cover at the end of the episode. <laughs> oh, my God. Everybody's waiting. I'm going to explode with tension. I love it. Uh, Yoko hands him a tiny pistol that he's never seen before, and he's just like, yeah, I'll figure it out. Which, great plan. Love it. Um, <laughs> and then he just takes a gunman. Um... Like, Kamina's running up to it with just his sword, and he's shit-talking it, and then uh, Simone screams into the battle and uses the gun to force the mouth-slash-cockpit of a gunman open, and then Kamina just climbs in and kicks the beastman out. Um, and we get this fantastic scene of all of the screens in the gunman cockpit going red with a lock and a no-Kamina logo, which I want to see the backstory of the UI designer who knew this was going to happen one day and created the no communas allowed logo that displays. Yeah. 
I love it. It's just like no communist club. You can have one and it's not you. Um, It's a question whether they think all humans look like him. I mean, all the cool ones, all the ones who would end up just stealing one. Um, he is because he the controls are locking him out. The gunman stumbles and he lands on the burial mound of the bones they buried last night. So he has a 2001 Space Odyssey trippy moment of facing death and fear and whatever. And then he's just like, nope, I'm not going to let myself be scared. And that's enough to hack the robot and let him up and he has control over it now. And then comes back and uh, finds that Simone is about to be destroyed by the two gunmen. So he just does a flying drop kick that hits him so hard that his own gunman just starts exploding. Um. And then he's like, all right, time to finish it. Let's do it. And he just picks up uh, Simon in Lagan and just whips him. Like a, he does the fastball special. He whips him at the gunman. And they dodge it at first. But then Simon, being the driller, drills into the cliff face behind them, does a U-turn, and shoots back out, taking out two with one hit. And it's badass. And... Of course, Kamina has come up with the name for this in the moment, um, and uh, I should have written it down in Japanese, and I could have done the bit like when we were doing Fist of the North Star. Oh, no. Uh, but it is the finishing move, perfect combustion of manly souls cannonball attack, because it's a combo. I forgot the move. names of the other two. The other two? Yes, the name for his punch and the name for his flying kick. Oh, he did name those two. He just, he loves... Listen, I also love putting labels on things. I'm not going to give the boy shit for doing this. I recall the flying kick is flying kick of helping my friend or something to that effect. Or saving my bro. Yes, and what is it? The who the hell do you think I am punch? Or something like that? Um, But yeah, they win the fight. Uh, Kamen is like, I'm gonna name this one Gurin because he already named Login, and which is like, hey, this one is yours, and also his name in the Login. I decide that, and this one's Gurin. Uh, and then they go to rebury the bones that uh he uncovered when the gunman fell over, but uh he notices a bracelet on the on the skeleton, and he's like, oh no, that's the same bracelet my dad had. Oh no, oh no, my dad was a loser! To be continued. Um, which is a hell of a... I don't know if it's goofy, but I think it really works as, like, a, a weird, like, a, a heavy moment to land on and cut to black. Definitely isn't positive. Oh, go ahead. So... They they fight the gunman. Yeah. They then get the idea in that moment and no other moment previously to, hey, what if we took this and learned it? Yeah, like somebody says exactly that. Like, wow, why did we never think of doing that? And like, so we don't know, like, we're going to get the backstory about Littner Village and about how like, they live above ground now because their underground village was secretly a weapons. It was originally a weapons cache that they were just living in. And then uh, there was some sort of like 
gas or radiation leak or something like in that one uh dark pictures anthology game poison gas yeah and so they were forced out and now they have to live on the surface but because they're on the surface the gunmen are attacked it's a whole thing um so we don't know how long they've been doing that and they are definitely like probably still living in fear of the gunmen and it's just like hey we are we are in survival mode we are not on the attack like that is what makes communist special is that he is so thick-headed that he's like oh i'm going on the attack all right let's do it like he is not he does not allow himself to fear so he whereas everyone else is just like oh we gotta you know focus on survival he's like no we gotta focus on growing we gotta take the he's like that is where the problem is i'm going to go face the problem Mm -hmm. okay uh any other thoughts on two I will do my preface of Laurent. Uh, as far as queer representation, I feel like this is our first very strong uh, gay character. Mm. And I guess uh, it puts me in a weird place because typically you have that very um, sexualizing character. And to see it as the queer one, it's like, ugh, kind of really rubs you the wrong way, especially with the way he talks and his mannerisms, and the weird wiggling fingers. Yeah, like, honestly, if you break it down, Leron is kind of our sex pest character, because, like, Maybe the joke was, like, he's overly flirty, but it goes beyond flirty. It is, like, it is it is too much, and it, people are clearly unwelcome to it. The problem is that he is also, like, the only queer-coded character we have, as well as the only sex-pest-coded character. And so, good fucking job, anime. You just tied those two together. That's a bad look. Like, it's... Why do you have? But to it's do also that? an interesting thought experiment because uh, having your sex pest, as you put, character when you look at them as the uh, heterosexual or straight character, do we give more leeway as opposed to when they're gay? Because there really shouldn't be that type of forgiveness. Yeah. Right. Huh. So, so I don't. I don't like. The way that Laurent comes off in this episode, uh, by any stretch, uh, he shouldn't be forgiven because he's gay. Like, oh, you're making gay people look bad. No, the point is, a sexualized person like that shouldn't be forgiven. Yeah. So I I had to do some looking up because I, too, really kind of had a problem with this. But I will also admit I have a friend that acts like this. And the thought occurred to me, and I had to do some digging. Now, I'll be honest, I didn't find anything definitive, and of course you're not. This is a show from 2007. But there are those out there who have reads on this that the character of Leron, Leron, whatever the correct pronunciation is. I, I believe it is Leron because I'm going nuts because Loron Sayhak is a Gundam protagonist, and that is crossing some weird wires. Fair. But he, he also goes by Ron, I think, in the show. Yeah, true. Ron. So we'll, we'll cut it simple there. That Ron is doing this 
knowingly as a pest, but only because they're not serious and that they are non-binary as well. But I, I still kind of more or less agree with Bob that regardless, this, this really feels in very poor taste. Yeah. Like honestly, if they were not a queer character, but they were that sort of like, overtly flirty and continuing to be so even when it's unwelcome i i would hate a person like that i would hate a character like that 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 alone would be uncomfortable like the fact that they're the it's like the fact that this show has tied that to the only queer character making those like intertwine in ways that aren't really that would not otherwise be connected necessarily is it's a bad look it's like why'd you have to go and do that why couldn't we have a normal heterosex pest like other upstanding anime this happens a lot in anime um that the queer character is the sex pest character that gets tied together a lot um it's common i'm not absolutely not defending it i am providing some like cultural context that this happens a lot this is how they tend to include these sorts of characters in anime. So as you watch anime, this this kind of trope will pop up a lot. Um I feel like it's the way they had to explain that this person is gay by having them overtly hitting on anyone of the same sex. Yeah, it's kind of that caricature like tropey setup so that the viewer like goes, okay, I know what kind of character that is. But also, it's played for, like, the shitty, like, gay reactionary jokes. Because, like, every time uh, Ron hits on Kamina, he's just like, he's just like, hey, you better watch your back. Like, who, who, what do you think? I'm not fucking gay like this. It's like, and that's shitty, too. Like, that's... It is, it is shitty. It's a shitty decision to have this character. Also... My reading of, like, how everyone else is reacting to it, like how Yoko reacts to it, it comes across to me more as a style of banter for this person. Like, it's mm-hmm. just kind of how they, like, you know, joke around with people. Like, they, they don't entirely mean it. Yeah, right. I, I, they're doing it for the reactions. That's right. kind of what those reads I was reading about came off as, like, it, I guess... They, if that's what they're going for, though, they could have done even the minorest bit more to just kind of elaborate on that. Yeah, because that that's, you know, also my read is that, like, in character, being this overt, like, it is pushing buttons. It is a choice to push buttons, which I think over time we do get to see that, you know, not only is, is Leron, uh, who today would probably have they, them uh, pronouns, mm-hmm. just... Because, like, they say they have a line in there, but then, like, everyone just uses he. Um, is, is like, a brilliant robot mechanic and an engineer. And, like, they definitely do, like, some, like, social engineering stuff in terms of pushing people's buttons. And we do get to see more of that with them. Like, they are extremely competent in manipulation tactics. So, like... There is a sense that, like, oh, this is kind of on purpose as much as it is – it is on purpose for the character as much as it is 
the show using it as a setup for um, big air quotes, gay jokes. Um, but like, it's still our first impression is not seeing that about them. And it, it is an uncomfortable first impression. I, I, I say, I, I will uh, accede to that. I'm just going to yeah. have one more thing. Okay. All of a sudden, Utena's representation looks a hell of a lot better. Yeah, honestly. I, that's the one thing. For him to become redeemable, I would almost want some form of reason why he is the way he is. Because I am known to flirt every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, no, but, like, that's the thing. Is like, as someone else who, like, has a group of queer friends, like, when you get that friendship, part of that often manifests as, like, playful banter of, like, hitting on each other and stuff. But yeah, like, you don't do that to someone you just met. I agree. That's what I was going to say. I'm not going to walk up to a stranger and say, hey, let me show you my wiggly fingers as I do my (laughs) mechanic work. I hear you like innuendos, too. uh, Again, like, I, I can kind of accept it as, like, you know coming from a very systems engineer mindset like sometimes you do push buttons like that to push boundaries and see like okay how is this person going to react when i i do this to them so it is like i could see that being as like their way of like learning about someone on first meeting it still makes them like a creeper yeah, they're being a jerk because they are intentionally being gross to this person who obviously doesn't like it. But, like, mm-hmm. I do, I, there is definitely a way to, to read it that it makes sense as a character and not just the show creating this gross caricature, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, which we don't necessarily get that, or we definitely don't get that in, in this selection. And we, don't get too much of it across the rest of the show, as I recall. I'll be honest, I'm going to rewatch the show now that we're doing the episode, but I have not seen the whole show in a, since 07, yeah. I would like to ask another quick thing about uh, Ron's statement about not being a man or a woman. Um, I think that's more of a cultural Japanese thing wherein um, flamboyantly gay people are not seen as men quote-unquote because they've got a big like manliness thing in their culture like if you look at like the yakuza and shit like it's just like what constitutes being a man i mean we have that problem here too but um yeah i think that comment is more based on that than necessarily being like nb but who can say I I would say, and maybe we can talk about this in final thoughts, but this show, we see, we saw a bunch of it, especially uh, once Yoko shows up, but this show has a lot to say about manliness and what it means to be, quote unquote, a real man and women and, like, gender roles. Um uh, and to prime that subject, I... I mean, it's Kamino's opinion of that. <laughs> yeah, like... Ultimately, I, I think it is kind of saying, like, hey, like, these ideas kind of suck and are destructive, but it does spend, 
you know, a, a bit of time in the show pushing them and establishing them so that then later they can examine them. But it does mean you are doing the thing for a little while. Uh, okay, so moving on to episode three. Who do you think you are having two faces? Does that seem like the right read for that line? Or <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, Maybe the exclamation point at the end, but... Who do you think you are? Having two faces? There we go. Okay, all right. I, I see. I hear it now. Uh, so we begin with Kamina telling a story around the campfire about how the one time when he stole that gunman um, that happened probably less than six hours ago in real time. Um, Yoko comes up to the boys and says, hey, I'm or the next day Yoko comes up and says, hey, I'm going to go hunting because we got to eat and uh, in, is inviting Kamina along because clearly she uh, is has the hots, but is refusing to even admit it to herself um, for Kamina. And then Kamina's like, all right, let's go. Simon, you're coming too, because a bro ain't going to leave his bro behind like that. Um, so then we're out. We're in some sort of swamp. We get a montage of uh, crazy alternate universe animals. Um, can we talk about that grape hippo or whatever it is? And... <laughs> The way it just sort of flops when it gets shot in the head, just like, yeah. like, oh, were were you even alive before? Or did we just knock you over? Or just it was a mercy killing. It's beautiful goofiness, just just a <laughs> wonderful. That's why it is the way it is. I do waiting to die. Um, and uh, Yoko lets Kamina try taking a shot uh, with her gun, but it's kitted out for arrows this time. We're going to stop and say it's because it's basically a rail gun. Don't know why we needed that. It could have been fine, but okay. Um, Mainly so that we can uh, show up that he lands a hit on some sort of um, some sort of Pokemon. And when he goes to pick it up, he sees, oh, there's a second arrow in this one, but this one has uh, black fletching when his arrow had white fletching. Oh, does that mean there's a bad guy? And then uh-huh. shots ring out from the the bushes around him, and Viral appears. Viral? Viral. Listen, the dub is weird. Who, hey. who wants to talk about Viral? I love Viral! I love a Pudgy man. Character. I have some opinions. Oh, yes. I'm rubbing Go my for hands. It. Bob is going to get my reference because this is something we talked about a long time ago. Viral, because I refuse to pronounce him like he's virile, um, suffers from the X-Men Morlocks dichotomy. That being, for being a quote-unquote beast man, you have a hard time convincing me he's beast. Mm, he, he is, has he is the teeth. X-Men. Yeah, he has spiky teeth, because we haven't seen that in human characters in anime. Before. And he's got the beast man arms. I mean, okay. I, again, I've seen that design for... I'm not saying it's here, but in other anime I've seen... Oh, it's lazy arms. It's a significant... significant signify, if I can pronunciate, um, that, you know, oh, big strong arms guy, or he 
has special moves with his arms. Like, eh. Again, this is where the stylization and the design can kind of conflict a little bit because it doesn't do enough to really convey the beast aspect. If you would like to know his specific beasts, it's shark and feline. Okay, where's the fin? I'll pick on our feline friend. (laughs) Okay, that's canon now. (laughs) But all the same, it's like, okay, nothing about the design tells me shark and or cat. It doesn't need to. The spectrum of beastmen varies from very close to human to very close to beast. Okay. And fair enough, however, the design also tells me, ah, we're even watching this for the first time. Ah, this one's not going to die. This one's going to be around for a while. <laughs> that because he doesn't look beast, he looks man. Uh-huh. And that's what I say. This is the X-Men Morlock dichotomy conundrum exception, whatever word you want to fill in there. Because uh-huh. the Morlocks don't get their own comic series or their place on the team. The X-Men are the pretty kids. Hmm. Not all. I mean, later we get the scorpion lady, who's basically a lady with a scorpion tail. Does she not die? No, she dies. She very dies. Okay. Two beast. She's... <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Because she has a scorpion tail. Yeah. Two uh, inhuman. I will even go so far Tomba as... Tomba has say, shark and... teeth. <laughs> Tomba's a bit of a beast boy. Um. See, your I, I definitely see where you're coming from. Like he definitely has. Um. Oh, you're going to have a begrudging baby face turn by the third act. Flags. Yes, he is Vegeta. Yeah, he's he's definitely got Vegeta going on. Um, my issue with him is he is a Vincent Valentine. Which is the character who all of the, like, high school girls love, even though they are, like, a supporting character who is just brooding and is like, oh, I'm so dangerous, without actually showing too much of, like, without actually being that too different. Like, the same thing you were just kind of saying. It's just like, oh, he's a beast man. He's kind of just a man with teeth. And he's just like, oh, I'm a beast. Oh, I'm so dangerous. I can never be like you humans. And it's just like, really, dude? And yet, people swoon. He's a fan favorite. I don't know if he's edgy enough to qualify. He fights with a butcher knife. He's got the shark teeth. So does Barry the Butcher. Who's Barry the Butcher? <laughs> the robot from um, Full Metal Alchemist that we watched. Oh, right. You're telling me he wasn't edgy? He's like, oh, I'm a ghost. And I'm, a, I'm a sicko. I was killed. No, he was funny. I mean, he was funny, but he was trying to be edgy. Okay, I, I, and I, credit to credits due. Yeah, he was trying to be edgy. I'm trying to be a healthy individual when I go to the gym. Yeah, we all have Does our struggles. Viral's just a grumpy baby. I mean, sure, he's grumpy. I mean, I'm grumpy. I get that. I, one grump respects grump. But really, he's just Vegeta. Maybe even, I wouldn't go so far. Maybe he's just Piccolo. Hmm. I don't know enough about Dragon Ball to comment. No. He was the Vegeta before Vegeta. Yeah, no, because Piccolo. 
he turned into babysitter. Piccolo is kind of a Knuckles, whereas Vegeta oh, is more of a shadow. And Vegeta's a family man now. I I, I feel like uh, viral throughout the show. Conti- like uh, it, one of the shows I was going to put as the post time skip episode, um, goes more into what he did to end up in jail, um, which we don't get here, but like. Viral continues to have his own like motivations and ambition throughout the course of his show, even as his allegiances become uh, blurry around the edges mm-hmm. in a way that like both a Vegeta and a Piccolo kind of are just like, all right, I'm going to stand on the hero side of the edge of the ring now. And that's that's kind of it. This is where I will say he is arc one of Dragon Ball Z Piccolo who wasn't with the heroes because he was a hero. He was doing it because he still thought he wanted to conquer Earth. Okay, yeah. And it, kill Goku. If, if you're narrowing it down to, to like just that arc, then yeah, oh. I, I can see that. But there's well, so like, much DBT. You're right, and I, I this is something I'll address later. He's Piccolo. I will explain. I will show my math later. Okay, yeah, show show your work for full credit. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, because we have to talk about right now, in this moment, the standoff between Kamina and Viral. And Viral is explaining that he's like a commander or lieutenant or captain or something of the human eradication forces, which, huh, there are human eradication forces. That's interesting. Uh, let's not worry about that right now. Um, but like, they're like doing the introductions for the duel. One of the best banger songs from the OST starts playing. And then Kamina starts doing his who the hell do you think I am intro and is drawing his sword. The same sword that he got from the village elder. It's essentially the conch of who's in charge in this show. Um, but he draws that sword. And he draws it forever. Like, if you... He has so much to say, and this shot just refuses to cut, that this... When he's pulling out this three-foot sword, it is at least seven feet long before it is fully drawn. And it is just... That is, like... That is one of the iconic moments of this show. Is that, like... Again, it is sort of in the the stylization but i think it is it is not just like the the way the animation is stylized i think fits in so well with the themes of the show which is not something that i would say about other even gynax and, and trigger animations um because the whole thing is you know communist thing is manifesting will he is the obi-wan kenobi of i want it to happen so i'll make it happen and so this the fact like the reason this the the animation is being stylized into this goofy overly long sword because kamina has more to say and it is over the top in a way that the show is always trying to top itself and like that is thematic and it is just it is so goofy and laughable upon first blush, but it also fits in 
thematically with the show that like there was no way I was not selecting this episode for today's watch, you know? Okay. No notes, 12 out of 10. Um, but so they have this little hand to hand dodging fight in the middle of a swamp by themselves. We have the like samurai showdown style, a slice that cuts all the grass in half before but then it takes a while to realize that it has been cut and fall down and like we have this just like kind of like not super long but we have this badass fight scene between the two of them and we're just like oh these these dudes are cool like this is the show showing that these dudes are cool this is where they are both thriving in this moment um uh but then everyone uh retreats to their gunman viral has his parked over on the other side of the grassy knoll and uh the oh we did we didn't even talk about um at the beginning before they go hunting we see uh the gunman that communist stole is getting repaired with the parts of the other defeated gunman from the previous day and they gave the robot the same glasses that Kamina has, the <laughs> the gar glasses, those triangle pointy looks like the the antenna on a Gundam head. It's so good. Um but yeah, so Gurren and Lagana park nearby and everyone goes to that and we have this sort of butting heads moment where they try to do the fastball special again, but viral is too good for that. He won't get tricked by that. And, uh, the fight lasts until, uh, viral goes for the giant head beam attack, but then Simon in a panic digs him out of trouble and, uh, they disappear. And then viral's like, eh, sun's going down. We'll come back tomorrow because Beastmen can't be out after dark. I want to say they do get into the reason for that in case anybody was wondering why they are so strict about only hunting during the day. Um, I forget what it is offhand though. Uh, and yeah, we have this scene at night, um, where Kamina is pissed at Simon for <laughs> keeping them alive by digging away and escaping. Um, which is uh, another moment and it, it becomes more explicit later, but like, this is another moment where it's like, it's not even that Kamina is pissed at Simon for running away. He's pissed at Simon for giving into his fear. Like, like, like conquering fear is kind of like Kamina's whole um, character motivation. So that is why he is pissed at Simon. Uh, and he's just like, listen, you can't keep running away. Uh, like, oh, what show is that a line from? I mustn't run away. I mustn't run away. Oh, also at the start of Outlaw Star, uh, you know, uh, Hot Eye Zelda tells Gene, are you going to just keep running away? Um, just keep running away? Anime Echoes is the thing, as as do all things. Um, uh, yeah, I have in the notes here that Simon's um, characterization is very specifically based on protagonists from other shows. Um, and in this first, like, third of it, it's specifically Shinji from uh, Neon Genesis. I'd say that Never heard of I, I'd say that I have thoughts on that, but they are really more my NGE thoughts, so I will save them for now. Yeah, put a put a pin in that for a few months. Spoilers. 
No, 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 don't worry about it. Writes down Neo Genesis. Yeah, that's yes. right. Yeah, no, the Neo Geo. It's the new Sega. Console. Oh yes, the Neo Geo. <laughs> uh, the the Neo Geo front. Thank you. That that joke will make sense in a couple of months. Um, God. So anyway, uh, Kamina and Simon sort of split up to rest for the night, and Yoko comes up to Kamina and is like, "Hey, let me pilot Lagan." And Kamina's just like, nah, that belongs to my bro. She's like, why do you trust in him? And he's like, uh, you know, he's my bro. Although, like, there is the element there of, like, he goes into this whole thing. Like, he kind of um, does a reprise of the I believe in this Simon that believes in me kind of thing. Um is I think what he means to say. What he says is dumbass. Um, <laughs> but but like he is having like his explanation is this sort of retrospective moment of just like like no, I recognize that Simon compliments me and we are a good pair. He he struggles to put it into words, but that is kind of what he's getting at there. Um uh, is this where he says uh that dude's like that dude being scared is the only thing that keeps me alive, or is that he says that later? I forget. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it's another scene where, like, again, Kamin is a, a lunkhead, but he's he has a very particular, uh, empathetic intelligence where, like, he very much intuits that he and Simon are a good pair because. He is, you know, uh, uh, chest forward, confident, and Simon is like smart yeah. enough to be scared. He pull helps pull Simon out of his shell a little bit, and Simon keeps him grounded. Yeah, and like he 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 doesn't always realize what it is, but like he also like not just for Simon, but for other characters as well. Like he knows the right thing to say to motivate people. You know, from in action to action, or especially in for Simon, like from you know a place of of being scared or lacking self confidence, at least back into normal, if not further, you know. Um, and this is just a, another one of those little scenes where it's just like, oh right, Kamina is actually like he has redeeming qualities. Oh, I'm so glad. Um, but yeah, so then we cut to the morning. Uh, viral Titan Falls. Uh, everyone is sort of standing in a line between Viral and uh, the entry to Littner Village. Uh, Simon is having another crisis of confidence as the fight starts, and Kamina gets the shit kicked out of him. Oh man, just uh, Viral is just running a a a lecture that ain't it but he's just you know owning the fight and the line about the only thing um uh what's what's the line here i wrote it down in my notes uh viral says if nothing else i must compliment you human for not knowing when to give up which like yeah no that's that he got the soul read on kamina uh and then yoko gives uh, a pep talk 
one of the weaker pep talks, honestly, but gives a pep talk to Simon about like, hey, you know, he's not going to give up until you get out there. So if you're scared for him, you got to get out there. And that's enough to make it work. She, I think she also reprises the, uh, hey, don't believe in yourself. Believe in the commoner who believes in you, remember? And he's just like, oh, yeah. So scared as he is, he runs out. Uh, he does a sneak attack, attacking from underground and uh, diverts the head beam attack before it can strike Kamina and breaks the crests on the helmet. Um, and then Kamina says, hey, we're going to do the thing. And Simon just goes, bro, what are you talking about? And he's like, we're going to combine. And then every other character in Earshot goes, they're going to combine to various uh, levels of excitement and confusion and exasperation. Except Uh, for. Except for. This is Ron's redeeming moment. (laughs) Ron is my spirit animal throughout all of this. At this point. Yeah, he's just like, he's... um, Sometimes Ron takes on the Ruri role of the Team Gurren bridge crew to respect yeah. the Nadesco again. Ron is a reasonable human being when they're not making a terrible character out of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kamina and Gurren just picks up Lagan and just thunk, just... <laughs> crams him on top of his robot and just says, there, look, we combined. We have two faces just like your robot now, Viral. And, you know, bless his heart. He tried. Um, And then uh, Viral's just like, you're dumb, here's missiles. And he launches, but lo and behold... The Gurren and Lagan do actually start legitimately combining and, I guess, absorbing the energy of the attack. Who knows? Um, and when the dust clears, Gurren Lagan, the full combined version, is standing there. And now they have the real fight begins and the music kicks in. We have the cross counter. They punch each other in the face. And then... They just rip off the face of Viral's robot and steals its helmet and puts it on, and it's just like this I would is like ours to point now. out. Uh-huh. I would like to point out that when they are combining, um, you get a very specific uh, energy reaction from the laser beam hitting. Oh yeah, that spiral. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah, that's a word I'm not going to get tired of hearing. <laughs> Spiral? Spiral? Yep. Yep. That's relevant. Put a pin in it. Um. But yeah, so they they steal the helmet, they take the upper hand, and they basically force Viral into retreating without taking nearly a scratch. Uh, and They took his hat. They took his hat. And I love that when they put it on, it recolors it. There is stuff about, uh, and, and again, this goes back to spiral energy is basically human will and, and the sort of like commodifying of it through technology because it is all about manifesting what you want. They never explain why the robots can combine or why they can just absorb technology. They're kind of 
organic something like that they respond to the willpower of these spiral users yeah but like it really just is like oh if you want this to happen bad enough it happens and these goofy boys use that power to make their robot look cool and you know what so would i um so viral escapes uh everything kind of calms down we get this scene okay so Lagan has the drill pointing out of the bottom. That is the drill that Kamina slammed into the top of Gurin. And once they combine properly, we get this shot inside Gurin's cockpit where Kamina's sitting. And you just see the giant point of the drill hovering ominously above his head. And it's just like, all right, is that just a goof or is this supposed to be something about a uh, symbolic of the trust that Kamina shows in Simon? That's no, the that's just thing what, is right here. That's just what I was happens so when you the entire stick, time. When you stick a giant drill robot into your head. I mean it's also that. It works on levels. Works on scales. Listen. <laughs> I I have a fairly substantial suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. But when put drill into the head, I don't think Kamina should be with us anymore. It wasn't well, long enough to hit them. I mean, are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, we see it. It's, it stops right it's above just right him. up there. Yeah. I don't know he knew that. No, he didn't. <laughs> Absolutely not. He does not need I'm to so, know that. He trusts. I'm so glad, like, Simon gets the opportunities sometimes to just take him to go see the bunnies. Mm-hmm. Because Kamina... Reckless to a fault is still being generous. Yeah, he's got... I think he's got a touch of the sweetness, but that's why we love him. That's part of why we love him. I, you, you can't hear how hard I laughed when you said that. <laughs> um, Like, let's be honest. He should be dead by now. I mean, he would be if he didn't have Simon there. Yeah. To be scared and escape for him. Um, I still think the drill should have killed him. Maybe. Uh, no, drills, there's this, it's Simon drills. They will do what Simon says and he doesn't want to kill his bro. Uh, okay. Uh, but yeah, so the fight's over. We, later after the battle, we basically have, um, Kamina and Simon. Kamina goes to his father's grave to be like, hey, I finally made it. Sorry, I couldn't meet you here. We're going on our adventure now. And he takes the badass cape that used to be his father's jacket and puts it on. And Simon's there with him. And now they share. They have the same logo on their clothes. And then they're like, all right, we're taking off. And then Leron's standing next to them with all his bags. And he's just like, yep, and I'm coming too. And they're like, okay. Um, and then as they walk off, the Yoko's sitting there and... Uh, watching them and the leader of Littner village comes up and is like, here's your gun and a lunch, go follow them. So then Yoko comes along too. And we end on this dope ass, uh, painting of the five, four of them walking off into the sunset with five. If you count Buta, five, if you count Buta, we didn't even mention. Yeah, we haven't really brought that thing up yet. Have we? The weird <laughs> Buta is the best character. 
Uta's one of the best characters. Um, and yeah, and they're walking off into the sunset with Gurren Lagan on their side, and they're ready for adventure. And I, that was such a fantastic, like, end of a sequence that I was just like, yeah, no, the beginning of the show is a fantastic pitch. Um, the only bad, the only thing they got going on that I, I really doesn't make me look forward to the future is they are definitely setting up a sort of unbalanced love triangle between Yoko, Simon, and Kamina. It's not. She's yeah. going to break up the band. It's all, she won't mean to, but yeah, she will. It's the, well, what is it? Simon is He, ha- he has a, a crush because he's a child. Yes. Like, it's not. A love triangle. But but it is the thing where, like... That, that's why I say it's an unbalanced one. Because Simon likes... Um, Simon likes Yoko because she barely wears any clothes. Yoko likes Kamina because he's a lunkhead who doesn't wear shirts ever. And Kamina <laughs> likes Simon because he's his bro. <laughs> like, it is one of those. And it's just like, oh, they're all gonna... They're all going to end up having to deal with, like, jealousy because of this weird imbalance. And I'm just like, I don't want to deal with that. Yoko's going to break up the band like she did with the Beatles. It's fine, actually. Yoko, quote, oh no, Littner. Okay, interesting, interesting. It's just part of Simon's growing up thing. It's like, there's never been a girl around. Kind of weird to look at that. doesn't wear as much clothes and is kind of that older sister kind of character person that you get a crush on when you're young. Well, she manages to be both like the exotic. I've never met a girl like her. She's from the surface while also being the girl next door. Cause she's originally from the underground village next door. So she manages to be both exotic and familiar at the same time. I, I actually do. I was thinking about this on on the rewatch, but I think there is there's a lot of comparisons to make to FLCL, right? Um, especially in this element of like, oh, this is a coming of age story. It's about a kid who is like, you know, that that part of those stories about like, you know, coming into your own sexuality, but not yet being able to distinguish it from the rest of your emotions and so like you know uh, uh, jealous physical urges you react to as if they were you know um, um, really like uh, uh, emotionally based reactions Um, and I think I think this show is fine dipping into that I think it makes sense for them to do that as much as I don't want to deal with it uh Again, coming of age story, and also it's not that big a deal. Like it's not actually that present, right? But they, they, there is definitely. I remember this plot beat later where, like, it absolutely leads to the the idea that, like, as a kid, those those distinctions are blurred for you. Transfers into the the sort of like narrative mechanics of the robots because there are absolutely times when, like. Simon can't get Lagan to activate because he is jealous of Kamina and Yoko. Like, that does end up being, like, a, a plot beat, which is just, like, I respect it because it is it is making all of these sort of, like, thematic parallel systems work in a way that makes sense, 
but yeah, I'm I'm glad we do move on from the idea of that triangle pretty fast, and it doesn't really matter. That's good. Though. I I do like how the episode ended, like all other Pokemon episodes, where they go on to the next village. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not gonna lie, like I'm, I'm not even trying to make fun of it. It's just I saw that and I'm like, I, and at the time I forgot about Buta. I'm like. Ash, Misty, Brock, and Pikachu, because Pikachu is a mechanic in this scenario. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, worked on the electric stuff. Makes sense. Yeah. And I'm just like, and here we go. And, and with um, Viral blasting off again, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> yeah, gonna be back later, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I love bad. it because it ends in such a clean way that you can definitely have the moment afterwards of like, tell me another story about the Team Gurren. And then Buzz Buzz Aldrin is there and like, okay, one more. Was it Buzz Aldrin? Yep. In one, if one of the versions, yeah. Okay. I forget who the one was if you were Femchep. Oh, really? Somebody else? See. Interesting. No. I'm pretty sure it was. I'm pretty sure it wasn't. I could have sworn there was a... Why would you change... First of all, why would you change that? It's completely separate from everything yeah, else. I also, I play this Femchep. Oh, okay, then I'm just misremembering and I'm getting it conflated <laughs> with something else. I, I'll be honest, it's been a minute. Are you? Like, I'm pretty sure. Are you thinking of the bit where Buzz Aldrin and Tina Fey take turns yelling at the moon? No, but that I was a that. very good bit. That is my favorite bit. Um, and speaking of Sorry, a bit, it's Monday. Uh, our next episode, uh, skips a bit of time, specifically Sweet. seven years, uh, as we enter into episode 20, how far will God test us now? About seven years. I'm sorry. I have to interrupt this. I didn't hear anything you just said because I had to go look it up. Uh-huh. Apparently there are two stargazers, but it's dependent on your choices in the final battle for earth, not on right. gender. Uh, okay, that's what it was. I knew it was something to do with it, and I don't know. It seemed like a petty enough thing they would have made that. Well, you know, if you don't do Buzz Aldrin's loyalty mission, then he dies during the final battle, and Ragnarok? I just love I just love that Buzz Aldrin's still alive in, what, the 22nd, 23rd century? Uh-huh. Okay, if you don't activate the Crucible and the Reapers continue their cycle, then you get the female Stargazer. Okay. That's, I'm kind of talking about that's Mass Effect <laughs> Three, Bob. You know the game I spent way too many years playing over and over again. You remember? Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I had to look that up because I was like, no way. Speaking of questions that need answers, who would who needs what fill ins about the gap between these two episodes? Um, okay, hold up. Uh huh. Everyone no is typing. Up. <laughs> um, my main one is where is uh, Karima? Uh, they address that. There is one line. There is one saying. line. Yes. Yeah, like oh, fifteen minutes in the episode. Don't remember. Believe me, I caught it barely, and I had to replay it. Like, okay, so things addressed. Okay, cool. Now here's my problem. This is why I said what I said earlier about the spiral. 
we're, before we even get into this episode, mm-hmm. they drop the phrase spiral and the opposing phrase anti-spiral so much uh-huh. and do not bother to explain any of that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. Both. One goes one way and one goes the other way. Cool, counterclockwise. It's not like we already had words for that. <laughs> and And in this time, don't worry, we found a way to just start collecting all of these gunmen. It's good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, as industry blossomed on the surface of the planet, they did start mass-producing knockoff Gurren Lagans. Well, okay. They are knockoffs. Uh, go back even further. Okay. Um, <laughs> the what end of ep- seven years ago? At the end of episode three, they're specifically setting off to the point that Ron found in the databanks of Simon's um, gunmen that is a recall point for the robot. Yeah. And so they, so they assume, yeah, they, they follow that to, like, the hub or, like, you know. Um, the HQ. Yeah. So they yeah. set out to go find that. We know there's more beast men. Is there, like, a president beast man? Yes. Is it is it the Spiral King? Yes. Yes. Ask them about the Beastie Boys, Bob. <laughs> I'm just concerned why, and boy, we're really just getting into the episode, uh, <laughs> why uh, the Spiral King is also Walt Disney. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, because they defeated him. Uh, but they, what? Uh-huh. That's just his I'm head. just going to tell you, they're lucky Futurama never sued them. <laughs> All you got to do is plug it in. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, we're getting ahead. All right, okay, so, okay. <laughs> um, It opens, and and we this was, I, I thought this kind of worked. It, it worked, but also worked in the way that it doesn't work, because we open with a recap of the last couple of episodes. We get, there's been a seven-year time skip since the Spiral King was defeated, um... The moon is going to crash into the earth in two weeks. We're just going to brush by that fact. Um, so the dude with the ponytail. Uh, Jorah's mask is going to sue somebody. Yeah. They're, they're Russia. getting sued by everybody. Roshu, yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> uh-huh. This is a character that I remember. Like, I didn't like him very much. But he's like one of those characters you're not supposed to like that much. Um. He's part of team. Like, okay, yes. All of these characters that we're looking at and following are part of uh, Team Daigoran. These are the friends they made along the way. Right. Yes, the, the, these are the uh, Vegetas and Piccolos and Tien's and but like, Yamcha. But like, but like Yamcha. any <laughs> but like any family you have um, some divergent ideologies about how to handle things. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've kind of, some of them have kind of split off from others in, like, how they're dealing with things. Um, as you can see, Simon is in jail. Mm-hmm. And Roshu is now the supreme leader. The I littered. He's a cultist. He's from another underground village that was, uh, super god-oriented. Well, so I I want to say it, they're like vaults. They all have a theme. It was like oh. it, it it was. I don't remember. If it was exactly God, but they were like strict. And one of the things they were very strict about 
like religiously strict was about like population control. So their whole thing is like, they weren't necessarily like sacrificing people to gods, but it was like a, you know, you can only have so many children or what have you. Yeah. I, okay. I'm going to reveal something I was going to say for the end. Okay. I ended up watching the whole series. (laughs) Not the reasons you think. (laughs) Oh. And yeah, they exile. They they had population control. Oh no, they worshipped the gunmen as gods. That's what it was. Yeah, okay. and they worshipped the gunmen as gods, and their sacred text. Mm, boy, do I have something to say about that later. Mm-hmm. Mm, probably not on the episode, but probably on the after show. <laughs> Said you know can cannot have more than X amount of people and. If if you get the the unsacred number, kick them out. Right. And boy is, mm, and that's the guy who's in charge now. Is you know from there. He's so like when he joins up with Team Gurren and he comes along on the adventure. Like they like they butt heads about that. Like he yeah like he kind of chills out and a little bit over time like i i but he's definitely like he's the paladin of the group is how i keep wanting to think about it it's just like yeah that's a good way to put it he's a buzzkill and like everybody hates him but like when you look at sort of like the the moral math that he's doing and he's not like rushing into anything he's like no what i'm doing is a shitty thing but it is the least shitty option we have that's actually feasible. Um, and we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, th- this, after the recap, this episode, uh, immediately drops us into Simon, uh, a much older Simon, uh, meeting, <laughs> being thrown into jail and meeting up with Viral, who has also recently been thrown in jail. And, and Simon's waiting to be killed. Yes, he is, he is on death row. Uh, in order to, uh, satiate the fears of the masses. Um, and, uh, viral is just sort of he's eating it up he's like oh you were always a little shit and look at where you are now (laughs) like three days ago they invented the concept of a trial by jury and that's like he's like oh you invented trials and that's why you and i now get treated as equal sometimes humans have good ideas because now i get to see you eat shit just like me um we cut away from that uh where Leron calls up Rocio and is like, hey, Supreme Commander, you should come check this thing out. And yeah, we have, uh, we see a decent amount of Leron in this episode. So I, I think it's worth, I'm glad we have a check in with Leron because he's kind of chilled out, <laughs> I think. I very much agree. He's, uh, this is an excellent example of, queer representation he, he doesn't have to be uh oh at the risk of sounding horrible okay <laughs> i think flamboyant is usually the word used a stereotype right and like he's he's still doing the thing where he's couching you know his messages in this like overly flirty personality but 
the way the scene is shot is we also get to see that it is a mask and like as soon as the he turns the phone off we see it drop and he's just like oh yeah you're just like a dude who's like actually has like concerns and is like doing things and and has a stance on stuff um and yeah i am so the reason why I wanted to make sure we got a late era episode as well, past the time skip, is because, uh, again, going back to FLCO, the sort of, like, arc of the central conflict of that show is, like, about Naota taking the very first baby steps in understanding his own emotions as, you know, uh, a kid hitting puberty, Right. This show, when it starts, is, like, looks like it's going to be that show again. But I wanted to show that it's just, like, this show is going to have that arc and then go in and do some other stuff. Like, it, it really does, um... Honestly, I forgot how much that the time skip could basically be a season break between, like, a season one and a season two. Um... But, yeah, so, like, now that we get to see here and we see, like, okay, we are dealing with, like, not exactly political stuff, but there is, like, oh, we're being thrown in jail and we're seeing people switch sides and we're seeing people, like, oh, who is has ulterior motives, who is hiding things, who is, you know, uh, in a completely different environment, like, this, this, like, futuristic urban environment compared to, which also... I didn't put it in a nose, but we see that like there is traffic in this city. There are taxi cabs, and also, they don't have wheels. They all have legs. They're technically gunmen. <laughs> it's so stupid. I love it. Um. Also, the capital city is Kamina City. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, uh, I think Liron is a good example of just like. We also see the way that characters settle into different, like, power dynamic positions in, in the way that they relate to each other and what their purpose in, like, the society in this world is. And it's just like, yeah, no, like, even someone like Liron doesn't, isn't just a caricature throughout this whole show like they they give him you know meaning beyond that for the show um and kind of everyone gets some stuff like that like it's also funny because you know the this episode we get to later is like is also very much about like actually also some people never change we're we'll still team gurin like in the old days but it, it's you know i the show wants to do this examination of like the more things change, the more things stay the same. And like, what principles do you need to keep alive versus what do you need to be willing to let pass away? You know? Um, and so that, that that's why I wanted to make sure we had something from the late show to just be like, yeah, whatever you think the show is leaning on in the beginning, it's going to do other stuff as well. That isn't obvious, uh, super early in the show. Um, Right, we get a evacuation update because, uh, as we said, the moon is going to crash into the Earth in two weeks, and we're trying to evacuate as many people as we can onto the Ark Gurin, which is a giant battleship they 
found. I think they, I think it used to belong to the Spiral King before uh, they took him out. So, you know, love found technology. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Listen, I don't play Warhammer, but my understanding is the idea of um, dealing with lost technology being found and treated with almost a religious reverence is... uh, Oh, yeah. Is is a thing? Against the Man Emperor's uh, will. Oh, yeah. The Spiral King, the Anti-Spiral's will. Um, so we see, uh, we get that update, and um, Liron is like, hey, come visit me in a minute. Uh, but before we get there, uh, we have this scene in jail, in the showers in jail, where a random beast man, bird man... Uh, yeah? <laughs> That's no random... Beastman, Birdman. Oh no! You will call him by his God-given name of Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> <laughs> I was good because that's what my notes do. Uh, right. So he's accosted by Foghorn Leghorn in the showers, uh, and it's just like, oh, oh, some supreme commander. I used to be a general in the Beastman army, but now they clip my wings and I'm in jail. I say, and he's I mad. Say. He's mad specifically about uh, Simon killing his commander one of the four generals might have the scorpion lady was one of the four generals too right yep yeah so one of them his his arms were bandaged which leads me to believe his hand and arms were his wings yeah well that doesn't make sense science that's not how that would work they pulled all the feathers out oh they plucked him yeah are you familiar with uh the island of dr moreau (laughs) It's kind of like that. The plane? It is actually, but from a genetic level, not a not a Frankenstein level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the bad guy's name, and I think they say it here, despite the, the terrible mashing up of it, was Lord Genome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lord Genome. One word, it's fine. Um, right, so, but this, this chicken, Simon... You know, although he has clearly uh, come into his own and has confidence now and he was a supreme commander and, you know, he he clearly, you know, took after his big bro and, and has carried a torch. Uh, he can only really dodge the attacks of this of Foghorn Leghorn here. Um, and uh, the chicken man is getting the leg up on him when in comes viral. Also just wearing a towel because they're in the showers um who basically has this basically is coming in with the idea of like hey listen no one is going to kill simon except for me you got it (laughs) i'm i'm no way gonna let somebody else kill him um before i get a chance to uh and so they have this fight we get this uh cool line that viral just sort of drops along the way uh because like he, the chicken man stabs his talons through Viral's hand, which then Viral turns into like a grapple throw. And then we see his hand just like the wounds close up. And Viral says, it's my immortal body given to me by the Spiral King with the order to forever bear witness. And I'm just like, damn, Viral, that's badass. Like, <laughs> that is like, that's a curse. <laughs> Because he's special? Uh, because he was bad at being a beast man. 
Shame. Oh. I'm Shame sure, upon you. I'm pretty sure that was a punishment. God. But it's like, I hear that and I'm like, that's some shit I would expect to hear from the writing of Destiny 2 or something like that. Um, why isn't why isn't he a bear then? He's a bear. I had to throw mine in. Destiny 2 had better writing. <laughs> he's one of those forever bears. Uh, so he's got to, you know, pace it out over time. So he's only a little bit bare at any one given time. Anyway. Um, he's bearing it well. But yeah, the the guards come in and resolve that. And I don't know, that scene just happened. Uh, but we get to see Simon and Viral and Foghorn Leghorn in nothing but bath towels. And, you know, you got to do something for the fans. I love that Simon is, like, still a noodly armed um, squishy boy. Yeah. Because well, it's, it's only seven years later, so, like, what, if he was at most, like, 12 last time, he's still barely in the 20s? If, if. Um, so now we cut back, uh, Rocio has showed up, uh, to where Leron is, and Leron's like, hey, check this shit out. That moon hitting the earth thing, it's gonna suck way more than we thought. It's actually gonna, like, what is it? It's going to land and strip off the crust of the planet and leave molten gases that will cover everything and the surface of the planet. Um, did you say land? Did I? He did. You said the moon was going to land. That's not the verb I would use. It's going to land gonna, violently. It's, it's put <laughs> put the, out its gear. The moon and this earth are going to have a deep impact. Uh-huh. <laughs> a most violent of and then, planetary makeout sessions. Yes. It, it, whether they like it or not. And then the planet and everyone on it will be Kentucky Fried fucked. <laughs> <laughs> For a year. After a year, it'll be fine. So, you know. Yo, okay. No, not fine. <laughs> just just not Habitable instantly. Yeah. Uh-huh. I have... I have severe. Pro- <laughs> this this is where I draw the line on their science. Okay, I I can forgive a lot, but oh yeah, one year we're gonna be fine in one year. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. I mean, you with the technology they uh, with the technology they have, like I could see them be like, all right, in a year we can land and kind of set a base in the ship and like start sort of being on the land again. Yeah. I still feel like it's a stretch with the technology thing. <laughs> In seven years, they learned to read and write. That's pretty good. Yeah. Also, he's lying. Well, yeah. <laughs> a cultist, a former cultist, lie? <laughs> the devil, you say? Well, no, because this is what Leron is saying, right? Like, that, that this is what Leron's simulation is saying. Oh, that's right. It wasn't it's it's not till later that Rosie you saw. Leron needs to go back to school. Um, but, but again, there's another line here where it's just like, like, has, has humanity sinned so badly? And Leron's just like, God's will has nothing to do with it. And I'm just like, damn, Leron, that's badass. They right. Um, so now we have Keaton and one of his sisters. Yeah. I forget her name, but okay. Keaton. Okay. Are you familiar with Through the Looking Glass? Um, no, I'm, I'm making that up. Uh, 
Keaton, the blonde, is another friend that we make along the way, and he has three sisters because anime. Um, I would like to point out, uh-huh. for no reason at all, uh-huh. he's not blonde. He's brunette. He, it's dyed. Really? Yeah, he has the same color hair as his sisters. So, oh, that's awesome. Like so many. <laughs> he's lying in this scene. I mean, I guess it could be both, but, like, if his sister's blonde, but... I'm I'm trying to remember how Punnett Squares work. Is it Punnett Squares? Yeah. Okay. Mendel something something. It's just his eyebrows are, are brown as well. Anyway. Oh, he's got eyebrows like uh Maybe he dyed his eyebrows. Like eyebrows. From I, I know what you're talking about from fully coolly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, he's like, Oh, hey, that's I thought we were loading the people onto the arc, but you're loading all of these like Seems to be loading two of every kind of animal onto the Ark. That's weird. What's up with that? And so, Welcome like, to Noah's arcade. he, like, goes off and is like, I need to get to the bottom of this. Something doesn't smell right. Uh, and was that not his other sister he was talking to? Yes. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. There, he has a few sisters and uh, more than one of them show up in this episode. He has yeah. three sisters. Um, I remember there being five. No, because it's it's Kinon, Kial, and um, Kiosk. I forgot. Kiosk. <laughs> and Jeff Carey. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm just smelling toast again. Uh, we have a quick side while Kitan goes to figure out what's going on of Leron. Kial, and... it's Kial, Kio, and Kinon. Um, and Kiosk and Kifob. <laughs> Uh, Leron and some other scientists are trying to, you know, get the Ark Gurren up and going because we're going to need it pretty soon. Um, and they're going to get it started up by hooking up the Spiral King's head to the Ark Gurren, which they just have. And, you know, that works and they just can do it. They um, dug up a corpse. <laughs> and then... Like the the head just like opens his eyes and starts talking and like it's it's I'm the ship's computer now basically and they're like wow I didn't uh, think that we would be able to do that and <laughs> the head just says nothing is impossible for me and I'm like damn decapitated head of the spiral king that's badass they just people keep saying cool stuff I don't get it um but yeah Keaton is tracked down someone from government closer to Rosu and is like hey what are they doing but then Rosu just shows up and is like hey if you want to know so bad I'll just tell you and basically he brings them along and they show him the simulation about how the earth is going to be uninhabitable for a year and even the people in the underground evacuation shelters are going to be killed off by this so actually like that's why they are bringing animals onto the Ark, because they are basically going to have to repopulate the planet after it cools off after the moon crash. Um, Uh, Moon lands. Right, the... the, (laughs) Moonfall. James Bond. That movie is so bad! (laughs) It is. It is atrocious. I love this scene because this is so yeah like I said Rosu is the paladin he's the buzzkill he's the cares more about rules than about like moral instincts kind of guy 
But the shot in here where Kitan is like the, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? And Rosie just keeps responding like, we already thought of that. That ain't going to work. This shitty situation is the best answer. And the camera just like focuses on him. And he is the most like haggard, tired looking dude you've ever seen. He's got like a hundred bags under his eyes and he's just slumping in his chair. Just like, no, dude, it sucks. And um, it's specifically that this is the highest guaranteed survival rate. Yeah. Keton's thing might work, but if it doesn't, then all of humanity is dead. So he he's not willing to play the numbers. He's going with, I'm going to make the decision that guarantees that some people get out. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's kind of interesting because, like, that when I was saying, like, the, the way that, like, uh, character roles shift between the time skip, like, really, whereas Simon has become sort of the Kamina character, Rosiu kind of comes in to be kind of the Simon character, where it's just like, hey, we gotta, sometimes running away is the best option, you know? And about, like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you know, take the, take the initiative on things, but also sometimes that'll just get you killed and you gotta have a backup plan. So, like, I, I, I like the way that we see those roles or that role for Simon at least really shift over time. Um, but yeah, the leader's role is to make the hard decisions and he's just so tired. It's, it's great. It's a great shot. Um, and then we follow Kitan some more. He goes to the hospital where his other sister has uh, just given birth to the one millionth baby, but nobody really understands that it's specifically this kid. That's just for us, the audience. Um, and he's, like, telling everybody without telling them that, hey, they should run and get on the ship as soon as possible, uh, get on the Ark. Um, uh, they're hanging out on the roof, and this is where we get the line of um, maybe Kamina picked the right time to die. He has died... Uh, it, within the previous seven years, don't worry too much about it. Um, sad. That's why they named the city after him. Uh, and then the sky opens up, and a bunch of robots just come out and start blasting everything. <laughs> uh, they're specifically looking to because they powered on the Argurin. They theorize that it's like, oh, they must have sensed the spiral reactor go online and they're going to blow this up because it is the anti-spiral forces. They're haters. It's on site with them. Um, And while they're like evacuating the hospital, Kitan is just like, I'll hold off the giant robots and just starts loading shells into his shotgun and walking to this, you know, 20 story flying robot. And it's just like, yeah, I'll take care of it. And I'm like, you know. I see why you and Kamina were good friends back in the day. Yeah, they say he's just color palette change, Kamina. Yeah, from the selection screen. Uh, everyone is, and but like that—that's exactly the thing, right? Like when we meet Kitan, he's his own kind of lunkhead. But this is this is what I mean about like the mimetic legacy thing. Like here in the time skip, everyone is a little bit Kamina, and it's just like, yeah, this is this dude had such an impact on everyone around him this is you know he may be dead now but this is how he lives on because everyone still has you know a little bit of him in them now it's 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 cool i think it's it's something you 
they take enough time in like this this post time skip area that we get to see the like repercussions of somebody leaving an impression on people in a way that I think a lot of like a, a lot of shows will leave the death for you know a third act finale kind of sacrifice play but then you don't see like the wake that they leave so I want to give props to this show for like doing that you know I, I think it's 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 something we don't get enough in any media, not just anime. Uh, because of the attacks, we said, hey, we need 30 minutes and then we're going to take off because that'll save everything. Uh, fights occur. We see the mass production Gurren Lagans coming out. Mass production gunmen. Uh, they're holding everybody off. The Ark Gurren takes off and everyone on the bridge crew is sobbing as we hear the wails of everyone on the surface being left behind. Um, and then we see the ship taking off from inside the jail where Simon and Viral are back in solitary together because that's totally how that works. Um, and then Nia appears. Okay, listen, folks. Uh, this blue-haired girl is Nia. And, uh... I had forgotten how, like, actually late she shows up in the beginning. Yeah. Um, she is a Melfina. She, uh... (laughs) They found her in a box, and she came out of a box, and she's also, like, half a computer woman. She was also Simon's fiancée for a little bit, but now she got, like, evil mind control. She got norded. And it's a whole thing. We don't have to worry about that for the sake of this show. Um, because all you need to know is she's evil now. And while she's letting Simon know that, hey, actually, everyone on Earth is completely screwed now. Uh, and also, they don't even have the proper amount of stuff on the arc because they had to leave early. Uh, and then Yoko shows up and shoots at this digital cyber ghost Nia. And it's just like... Hey, why don't you shut up? <laughs> Yoko's back in town. Big Dick Yoko is back in town and cut to credits. That's to be continued. She's going to break up the band again. Oh, she's going to break the band back together. <laughs> Wait. Um, yeah, and that's that is the end of uh episode 20 and the end of our selection. Uh I'm going to take us right to some final thoughts because now anything that still has a pin in it, I think now is the time to start pulling it out. After you, Bob. Okay. uh, For me, this show doesn't have anyone who's just like a a normal character that we follow. Everyone has super emotions, I guess. Mm -hmm. They're very larger than life characterizations of who they are. The first three episodes, Simon was the scaredy cat, and Grandma was the, as you put, lunkhead. Kind of that strong guy who doesn't take no... Uh, He's just going to To be it. honest, yeah. Go to be honest, really doesn't fit any particular role. Yeah. The outside of the eye candy, she... Even then, I really question her uh, clothing option, or lack thereof. But that's just a personal taste. Yeah, same. But, oddly for me with this show, it finds a way to really make you care for these characters. Yeah, I... 
again, watching it again and watching it with the retrospect of the past 10 years of being alive. 20 years? 15. Let's cut it in half. 15. Um, but like everyone is over the top and everyone does have like their specific like personality focus and amplified. But I do think they're written pretty realistically. Like people react to things I... in a way that I think is over the top, but like in as far as like emotional directions, like kind of makes sense. It's just like, yeah, you would get scared at this. You would get angry about this. You would, you know, have a retrospective moment over this. And just like they, it, it's all happening to a ridiculous degree, but I think it is like the right thing and the right responses. I guess for me, um, if you say when I watch the intro and I see there's about 5,000 characters, <laughs> seems like everyone has their role everyone is the paladin the monk the fighter uh, and it just for me the one piece that i struggle with is no one goes outside of that role even in the 20 year gap yes takes a or 20 year oh my goodness seven year gap <laughs> uh wow i really aged them <laughs> no takes we, a seven we had the 20 year gap <laughs> oh my god uh, in a seven-year gap, Simon is a different character, but suddenly he is now a different role that he does not stretch outside of. Uh, mm. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that coming across that way also just because like we're showing you these two spaced-out episodes. I think it feels less like obvious and less sudden when you're like watching it over the course of the show. And I, th I think maybe there's a bit more nuance to it because he's not just like picked up the Kamina role and taken over it. Like he is, you, you, when you see his, like, when you see him, you know, across time, not just a single episode of it, mm -hmm. like he is definitely like taking, like, Kamino was definitely his mentor and he's taking, he's taken a lot of those and brought them into himself, but he is you know, combining it with the person he was and he isn't just like, he is making it his own and, and he is, he's being a, he... a new third character who is made up of the other two, but it is, like I said, I think there's some nuance to it. I guess for me with the, these episodes, I don't see growth. I see there's growth that happened over seven years that we don't get to see. Here's a new character. He's taller now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> also, he doesn't uh, do much in this episode. Uh, without knowing Lucio, describing him as a paladin, I don't see him being anything other than this military guy. Mm -hmm. Or Catman being the new Karama. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. But they are just this character. Don't expect them to do anything else. Don't expect Katan to have deep emotions outside of I'm the strong masculine character. Or Rusio to be like, let's go rob a bank, because <laughs> it will help people. Not that, that, like, would have a dichotomy of character, but enough to be outside of having more than just a one-dimensional face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it... 
picking... that, I think that's the best way. They're all one-dimensional to me. Yeah, and that is kind of on purpose, because in picking episode 20, I was picking one that was like... I was trying to find one that did not sort of reference so much of the middling time for the sake of no spoilers. So it definitely is like a, a out of context snapshot. I, I really just wanted to be like, Hey, look at the pieces we're going to be playing with later about like, Oh, there's city and councils and ships and, hey. the moon. and just like, like, Hey, like, like, in the beginning, it's like very simple. It's just like, oh, these boys are on an adventure on the surface, and there's giant robots piloted by beastmen, and there's people, and it all seems like really simple. But then you flip to the end, and it's just like, okay, there's this robot from the moon, and the moon is coming down, and also maybe God is mad at you, and also here's a head in a jar, and also like kind of the comedy beat of just that like contrast. So I got the contrast was, there, but um, even then, the characters there are still. No one ever does any more than just one thing. We see Ron later. Yes, he is a he is another transformed character. He's no longer over sexualized. He's just that guy who knows stuff and here is information. It's yeah. like a or McGee. Yeah, you know that. Looking at it that way, there is like a a sort of. But I don't again, know like, that I want people to do more, but it just seems like you fill this specific role, you do that. You fill this specific role, you do that. Not that that's a bad thing, because we have an awful lot of characters to cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, uh, I I do think like watching the whole show, you, they it all opens have, it up. Yeah, they have more depth than just the bits we're seeing in these episodes. Yeah, it, it, it's it's kind of like the um. Again, to go back to DBZ, if you watch like a late era episode of DBZ, you'll be like, why are Krillin and Piccolo and Yamcha and whoever else is standing on the side here? It's like they're just here to stand on the side and describe what's going on. Oh, that's absolutely their purpose. I don't find <laughs> that DBZ has any complexity to it. Sure. But but it's it's the same thing here. Like if we if we see the in between, we get, you know, deeper portraits of these characters. Um and like everybody has a role and the show likes to play with, you know, even though everybody has like a role and like a one dimension to their character, the show likes to play with smashing those different characters together and just be like, I want this, I want this. And there's where your conflict is. And like the resolution of it's like smash brothers, you know, it's, it's not necessarily the deepest if you only had one-on-one -on -one matches, but when you have so many characters and so many combinations of pieces to bounce off each other, that's where the, the uh, most of the fun comes from. Final destination. <laughs> but, but yeah, you're, you're, you're totally legit. And I, I do think that tone might change if you saw more of it, but that's, that's totally a valid read from this specific selection, it's especially episode 20, which is so out of context. Our turn, Chuck. I was just going to ask, am I tapping in to respond to some of those statements? <laughs> okay, let me... Hold on, let me do this right. So I've called you, Gurn Lagan, here for your employee evaluation, and I like to start with the compliment sandwich. 
as mentioned earlier, I really like, you know, the stylized ideas and motifs, the color, the, the action. Great. I don't really find this an engaging show. But the final part of the compliment sandwich, it has a lot of interesting ideas it plays with. Asterisk. So here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to cite three instances here okay. of my experience with the show. Watching it, let's see, what are we, almost 10 years, we'll say nine years ago. Watching it, watching just the four episodes for the podcast, and then immediately just going through and watching the show to try and see if I was missing something. Oh, it was kind of a hate watch? I don't know if I'd call it a hate watch. This is, this, this was an exploratory quest. Sure. The quest for knowledge. Honestly, that sounds like the reason I have played every single Halo game. I didn't enjoy them, but I had to know what's going yeah. on here that other people see. I, 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 oh, Bob, an apology on that note. Because, Bob, <laughs> I think that was really my experience with Halo, and I'm sorry for dragging you into it. It's all right. So, tried to watch this nine years ago because I was listening to a podcast where they were watching through a whole series at a time. Whoa. Yeah. And of course, they, they, and they did several. I really enjoyed some. I didn't even consider watching or know about. And then this one came on and this lost me at three episodes. And oh. then I, I kept listening to the podcast to see if like maybe something will come along and nothing really came along until they mentioned the time skip. And I'm like, okay, let me check the time skip out. And back then, I had this feeling of with the time scheme, like, okay, this is interesting, but we're not really doing anything with it. it it's more just to, to set a time and say things have changed. But kind of to Bob's point, no, they haven't. And then we're fighting the real big bad. Cool. And I, and I watched all the way through. I'm like, maybe this is going to really go somewhere. And it just didn't do it for me. So now we come to the podcast again, and I've, I remember very surface level details. So coming back to the podcast now and watching, I'm like, okay, me, I was, a, I was a different person then than I am now. And I still watch this and getting through the first three episodes was rough because again, to kind of piggyback on what Bob was saying, Yoko is there to girl. She is mm-hmm. girl of show. Yes, she's girl with gun. She doesn't really have a personality. Her personality is to be girl with gun and to also have crush on Kamina. And it's kind of blatant. And to give Simon some boobs to be flustered. Yeah. Yeah. I'm lumping that all under the, the aspect of being girl. Yeah. yeah, Because that's how anime, especially in 2007, treated that. And not to say it still doesn't happen today. I cite every isekai. But that being said, and I look at Kamina and Kamina is like, okay, I can see where you are trying to be a surrogate good big brother and you are failing at it miserably because your, your don't say die thing only gets you so far mm-hmm. and your luck stat is not, you know, a 20 every time. I'm going to tell you right now. 
you're on borrowed time, buddy. Mm-hmm. And then I look at poor Simone, who's going along kind of all Bilbo Baggins or Frodo Baggins here. So I'm on an adventure. I'm like, you are out of your depth. And I'm going to tell you, it didn't sell me once on, oh, I'm going to learn to fly, operate this tiny little man-sized mech. Again, I love the design. I love that it's small. It's endearing. It's kind of cute in its own nature. But it, it was all just a lot of flash. And then we get to episode 20. I'm like, okay, I kind of remember finding something really enjoyable about the time skip. And I forgot about the war crimes charges and the sentence <laughs> to death and, and just sitting there really getting gobsmacked. I'm like, wait, what? I don't remember this. I don't remember a lot of it. It was a long time ago. And it's like, oh, we're talking spiral, anti-spiral. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's supposed to mean something. I'm supposed to care about that as an audience member. But nothing said in this episode really made me care other than anti-spiral. Bad. Cool. And, and, and the Noah's Ark thing. Kind of interesting. Having having the former cultist, now zealot, whatever, kind of running the government, like, okay, kind of interesting. Power subversion. Kind of maybe following up in the footsteps you didn't mean to. Who knows? Especially just, just judging these four episodes in the vacuum, as it were. And I still... Like, every time they started to go somewhere, they just never finished. And it all felt like wasted potential. Hmm. And that's what made me go back. I'm like, okay, there's got to be more. There's got to be something I'm missing. That's clearly the only explanation. Otherwise, I just don't think this is good. And so I sat down and I picked up from episode four. I watched all the way through ten of nineteen, skipped twenty for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. powered through the rest. And ultimately, in my findings, this is what I have to say. I don't think this is a good show for its intended target demographic. Okay. In the way of like what it's trying to do. I think, I think this is a great show if you're like seven to 13. Like this, this is a great show for the demographic because honestly the, the plot is so paper thin it hurts. Um, the characters are very one dimensional. I don't really see a lot of growth. I would say any growth Simon has could have still occurred without Kamina. And a lot of the other characters, and this is one of the reasons that keeps me away from One Piece, man, there are a lot of characters that I do not have the time in my life to follow every single (laughs) one of their stories. But here's the thing. In 27 episodes, two of which are recaps, and I have my own thoughts about that, that not so good. You don't need all those characters. They're just kind of there for set dressing. They don't have plots of their own. They don't have interests or anything that makes them other than I'm here too. I We have the two big guys that also like to look at rabbits. And I'll be honest. Regardless of what everyone else feels like about comment, and I know this will give me hate from people that love the show. I felt well, the ultimate fate of the two big guys that also like to look at rabbits was more compelling. Hmm. Just because Kamina's thing, his happenstance, it also felt very Dragon Ball. And I, I, and so I had to analyze in me, like, okay, why do I not find this enjoyable? So many people do. And here's what I had to come back to. 
And this is why I say it took me literal days to come up with my feelings, to com- really concisely get my feelings down. Yeah. We have had one other sh- dedicated Shonen show on here. And that was your Yu Hakusho. Right. And I love Yu Yu Hakusho. And I had to sit there and think, well, what's the big difference? And I looked at the characters and they were more engaging. They had more depth. I mean, for example, we'll take the character of Karama. By the time we have finished Karama's introductory arc of two episodes, he already has more depth than over 50% of the characters in Gurren Lagann. And that's just interesting. And they don't give him a lot of depth. It's just, I'm doing this to protect my mother. I'm not a bad guy. I'm different. And, And also, he's incredibly intelligent. And I look at the, how long it took to do the first arc of Grunmagen. And yeah, sure, they overthrow an, an empire. But in that process, we, we get, we get episode one. There are the, where, well, let me, let me go back. Episode three, we are told there are human eradication squads. You're telling me in episode one, Nobody else knew about it because if there are human eradic- eradication squads, spoilers, they're still humans. No, they yes. don't. They only go after them if they hit the surface. And I kind of get that, but that would imply that a non-zero amount of humans regularly get to the surface to warrant this. Mm-hmm. So for them to believe that the surface is like dry land, only a myth. I kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm really stretching here. It's like, okay, Kamina is though completely ridiculed because there is no surface, only rock. And it's like, okay, your, your logic, your strands from A to B aren't kind of holding so hard for me. And then, yes, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I'm going to take this little top, throw it on top of my unit, and it works. Sure. Super robo, fine. Not normally the thing I get into, but. I, I'm willing to kind of set that one as I'm going to give it a good sure. And it just, and then also only men appear to be able to pilot these gunmen until after the time skip, because never, never mind. As I mentioned earlier, we said no one else ever, the show explicitly states no one else has ever thought to capture these. Apparently no one else thought a woman could pilot because all the pilots are guys. And that's just kind of like, why? You have all these other female characters you're literally doing nothing with. So again, we, we just have characters that are set dressing and it's kind of like, do you need to actually put assets into that? You could have put the resources used for those characters into anything else. And then we have, we'll, we'll skip something. You two know what I'm talking about, because we go to the, we'll just skip ahead to the destruction or downfall of the Empire. Mm-hmm. Man, that felt really fast for a little rebel group out in the boonies who just came out of nowhere, don't know how to read, but can intuit how to pilot a complex mechs without any instruction or guidance. And I'm like, even if we get the log on the pass, I'm talking about Gurin because that's a whole new machine technically made up of other machines. Someone needs to have a user's manual and that means Kamina needs to learn how to read because there are, there are going to be readouts and 
it's not doing him any good if he doesn't understand any of that. But, you know, power of friendship and manliness. And, man, I do not like the manly, manly, manliness of madness talked about there. It's just, I get it. This kid's a, Joe, help me out. How old is he? Not applicable. All right. Well, he appears teen something years old. So I'm, and the reason I'm getting at this is he's sure he doesn't, Nick, I think you summed it up pretty well. He doesn't know how to express himself well. And mm-hmm. for teen, I buy that whole, whole cloth. I'm okay with that. But man, it doesn't need to be manly all the time. And his cra- his manly crassness about, hey, this guy was a loser and died. Oh no. But my father also, him a loser, and this breaks my heart. Like, he kind of had that coming. And even then, it's like, I don't feel he learned a lesson. And he is constantly rewarded for just running in balls to a wall without thinking of consequences. And to that point, I don't feel there's stakes. Now, I'm going to tie this back to the reason I brought up Yu Yu Hakusho. In New York Show, sure, we have the first four episodes, main character's dead and has to come back, but he's also told, you know, you can still die, things can happen. Yes, it's his show. Yes, it's not likely that anything's going to happen, but if there did, there would still be some kind of consequence and some kind of way back. But it would still have relevance, and it would still have some kind of weight and meaning to whatever was going on. At no point did I feel any of these characters were actually in danger. At no point did any of them feel like they were really going to be lost. Sure, after the time skip, we learned, you know, coming up by bit the big one. Okay. Well, you know, failed a D20 roll. Who knows? We, but even going forward, it's still all these heroes. Like, sure, another one or two could die. But there's nothing about them. Like, sure, one of them just became a dad and, and birthed the child that ticked the counter that brought about the end of the world. But I don't care about them because there's nothing there to care about. They have no interests, no desires. There's nothing on the line except the action. And that's why I say, like, I feel bad because I'm not going to tell anyone they shouldn't like this. I'm glad people like this. Everyone should have something they like. Should have multiple things they like. But I don't think this is as good or as groundbreaking or redefining as a lot of those in the anime community make it out to be. And that's why I say I think this is a better, as a shonen show, to the shonen core audience heading up to like, I don't know, maybe 15 years old. That That seems like a reasonable demographic. That isn't to say anyone above that can't enjoy it, but I just feel like it really kind of was aiming at the wrong audience, in my opinion. I'm, and I feel bad saying that because there, like I said, there's so many ideas in there. Again, primarily in the post time skip, you're going to bring up Kamina, or not Kamina, excuse me, you're going to bring up Simone Kamina Jr. for war crimes. Okay, cool. Let's actually have a trial. And you're going to make Ruscio, Ruscio, Rusolini, whatever. You're going to make him the new Supreme Commander. Okay. And he makes this play. 
and considering his background, it kind of looks like a power play because boy, does he have people in the right area. And it feels like that could have been a more interesting story. Maybe that was, you know, to avoid spoilers for Bob, maybe that was his intent. Maybe that's exactly what he was after this whole time. Because there are certain things he says and others say around him that sure sound like they're just bolstering an ego. But there are still other actions that would lead me to believe maybe that wasn't the intent. But give me something. And I will say this. Don't give it to me in that flashback of a conversation we, the audience, didn't get to see. That's really cheap, in my opinion. I, I've never liked that regardless of the show. Hmm. But at least if you're going to do a thing and you're going to bring it up, man, commit to the bit enough to make it worthwhile. Because the war crimes, the the uh, change in power, it it all ends up being kind of meaningless. And you can tell it's meaningless because your hero is in the, is in the jail cell and he's going to be put to death in quotes. Honestly, the only character I found kind of interesting was viral because of where his journey started and more or less where he ends up in the future. And that is why I say like, okay, that's why I made the comparison I did. And because that gave him more than anyone else a degree of depth because he did have to change somewhat. Everyone else is still doing their same role. And to point of order, Simone should not be in charge of a government just because he was the great hero of the war. Mm-hmm. Winning the war does not make one a leader. He would agree and, with you. And I'm sure he would. But the story could have addressed that too, because there's such a more interesting story there than just, I'm the reluctant leader, but no one else is going to change their opinions because we all are good together. And that's what Kamina would have probably wanted. I don't know. And if it wasn't Simone, they probably would have made Kamina leader, which would have been genuinely worse. Mm-hmm. That's so, not well for anybody. And so, and I feel bad because this all this sounds like an attack. I'm not trying to attack it. It's no, just, you're it's you're stating your opinion and your experience with the show. That's fine. Thank you. And I just I wanted to like this because I remember finding aspects of that future skip interesting, but in the end, it just it really just kind of let me down as an audience member. Everything felt so convenient and so contrived. It didn't feel like anything was really worked for or earned. Honestly, like, that is the last reason why I wanted to make sure there was this time to give episode was specifically because I knew that was going to uh, touch your taste better because, like, I I agree with, like, almost everything you're saying. Like, this is, this is a show with simple, shallow characters, and it is kind of about taking their shallow thing and just magnifying it and, and sort of expressing it in over-the-top ways. It's it's pro wrestling, is what it is. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a mac and cheese show for me. Like, it's a, sure. a comfort food kind of, like, it's it's simple, it's fun. Um, I like the characters, I like the action. It gets ridiculous in fun ways, and that's the kind of stuff I like, so. It's 
pro wrestling, it is it is not there to have a deep story. And like, I I, I don't feel like I, I I think for you that's definitely a matter of taste. Like, I I wanted the 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 time skip there because there is you know hints at like power plays and stuff going on, even if they aren't necessarily as dug into because it does ultimately have to come back to being a show about the flash and like the flash is fun. The, the it's, it's almost like a meta level comedy to me because it is these, it is this super simple story. And the joke is look at how much flash we are telling the story with, right? Like look at how simple and paper thin and goofy and simplistic this is. And we're just going to blow it out like it's the 4th of July on steroids. You know, like it, it is to, to me like, and and I, I think it's absolutely just a matter of taste. Like I, I don't think, it, I didn't feel like it's an attack. I think everything you're saying is absolutely right. It's just that is to my taste. Like uh, this feels very much like um when we were talking about Get a Robo. Because Get a Robo is very like thin stuff nobody's actually that deep it is it is pro wrestling it is soap opera and it is about very simplistic characters bouncing off each other and just how and then just turn the volume up to 11 you know literally with screaming but also you know in terms of visually in terms of scale with giant robots or universes or whatever um and and, and it is kind of just a a it's it's a matter of taste. The the only place where I actually sort of disagree with you is categorizing it as a shonen show. Um, because on the one chan on on the one sense it is in the sense of like the shonen show has you know the new uh enemy of the week who maybe is going to become a friend and stand on the hero sidelines and also everyone has to be stronger than the last one like there's definitely a lot of that going on but i think it like i i also agree with you that i don't think there was anything particularly groundbreaking about it because what it is is a iteration and sort of um, uh, 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 boiling down of Mecha Show. And Mecha Show are discrete from Shonen Show. You can have, you know, shows where they cross over into the same thing, but, you know, uh, uh, they are ultimately... And, and you can even say, like, you know, a realistic Mecha Show like a Gundam is different from a Super Robot Show like a Getter. Like, they are they are different genres, right? And the the thing about it is like for for the mecha genre, boiling it down to big faces yelling at each other, and whoever has the more willpower literally has more energy and wins of like pre time skip is like boiling it down to what it is uh, to to like. It, 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 the essentials of what the mech show is and it's just like streamlining it um plus the the high level of flash plus the um the the stylization of the animation studio um and then post time skip is honestly 
is doing the like you're on trial for war crimes deeper than most giant robot shows would do, especially in the super robot genre. Um, like they will touch on stuff like that and do even less of it. Like it, it's, I, I think you are right that like that sort of like preteen teen demographic is going to hook onto this very much, but I think it is also the 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 older demographics who are going to get into it are the ones who are more embedded in the mecha genre, which is like what I am. Like I am used to a thinner story. I am used to characters with less depth, but the conflict in their simpler personalities is blown out to extreme heights. Like that is just the taste that I am used to. And I am looking for, like, honestly, sometimes I, you know, like Joe was just saying, this is a great, like, you know, like, like our, our story before, this is a great popcorn show because there is nothing heavy to think about it. This is something that, you know, you laugh with your friends about while you're watching it. Is that groundbreaking? No. Is it, it was, it, it is an interesting iteration for those familiar with the genre. And I think sometimes that can be enough that people who aren't usually into the genre get sucked into it because it is, Sometimes you hear about the most polished versions of something, you know, like you don't join social media until Twitter starts to exist, even though there was other social medias before that. You know, sometimes it is just about like it to a large population. It feels groundbreaking because they have not been following it all along. And sometimes that gets confused depending on if you had one foot in and you're like, wait, what are they talking about? Um, but yeah, it, everything you said, I completely agree with. Um uh, and that's a good reminder to our audience that the same show may attach to one person may like it, attach to it and the other person might bounce off it just because of, you know, personal tastes and uh, what you like in your media. And that's fine. Yeah. There aren't four people who are going to agree all the time on everything. Mm -hmm. I guess for me, I feel like the, I feel like I'm part of the reason I feel like I'm attacking it is because. This show has an unabashedly large following. And I just don't see whatever they're seeing. And, and again, that's I, fine. I just Yeah, and it makes me a little sad that you don't see whatever it is, but I don't think any less of you for it. Yeah, like Aww. I said, it's 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 purely taste. If anything, you are someone who has a hunger for deeper characters and more complex stories because you are there's a lot of people who aren't able to track as much of that so as far as i'm concerned that's a compliment to you that this show isn't uh uh dense enough to really satisfy you like that's totally fine honestly let me, okay but let me just remind you i'm also the one who loves g gundam <laughs> thousand shames upon you I mean, listen, Foon Psyche is still the best horse. Yeah, but 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 I mean, but I mean, like, yeah. Even then, the Gundam is weird because it comes from the realistic super robot and then stuck a toe into super robot. So even then, it, it's like starting from the baseline of the more complex side of that genre. So you know, it, it's I I think that's the whole. You know, I'm I'm the one over here with like let's talk about uh 
Gurren Lagan and Fist of the North Star and what other simple stupid shows. Listen, I just wrote something down on our mega list that I'll I'll say for next season, but listen, I've got shows that are stupider than this that I love. So I, now I'm looking because I had it pulled up already. <laughs> um go ahead, Bobby, you're gonna say something. I was gonna say we've had these conversations and just so you know, since this is not a long series i actually plan on watching all of it yes yeah like three days i don't mind that it's a surface show just wanted to explain in my view i consider it a surface show Mm -hmm. this isn't this isn't one i would say go in with high expectations to enhance your deeper moral issues that you are struggling with this is one where you know you're rather large team of people and like i said i'm basing that purely i i only watched the episodes that we watched for this but i know thanks to ron that we're probably going to inevitably run into all i want to say it's like 12 people mm-hmm. that are in the theme i'm gonna roll my eyes when they're in like three episodes and each get one sentence like <laughs> you can do it oh team but that's okay. Art here, not bad. I really enjoyed it. Everything was very fluid, and we didn't have any like uh, startling changes at some point for that sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just isn't that type of show. So I have a question. Okay. Does Gurren count as a horse? No. Hmm. No. I actually put some thought into that, and if Gurren counted as a horse, we would have to ret con so many different mechs. Then does Logan count as a horse? Because it had um, three people riding on it without a cockpit <laughs> canopy. I, I will still have to say no. Did the taxi gunman in that one shot in the future count as a horse? Because yes. oh, it had freaking four legs. No, that is, those were <laughs> yes. just creepy. Yes, it had legs, it's a horse. Um, We've had stuff on our horse list that doesn't have legs, but are also not mechs. We okay. do have a mech. Be- before we consider the rest of our end of show lists and and considerations, uh, I am ex- Chuck. I am your eggs. I am really surprised that you did go and watch the whole show. Like again, I understand from the like, what do people see? I gotta know. Like it, it's a, it's not a hate watch, but it is maybe like a morbid curiosity. Like a that's honestly why of- I consume a lot of media same like for me that's most video games i play um but like i'm glad you didn't hate it so much that you couldn't watch more of it i'm glad that that there was at least something there that you were like no i gotta check more like it's like if if that's if that's the worst opinion we have on it that's not bad let me let me put it this way the me that was 13, 14 would probably have been way more into it than now. Totally. Or than I was almost 10 years ago. And, uh, Bob, I'm glad you're interested in watching more of it. The thing I would say, though, is like, for if, if you know, for people who are not the kind of fans where, stylistic animation and flash can carry a show for them this is perfect second screen content 
right? Like, if yeah, if, if, if you want to watch it for the Flash, then sit down with your popcorn and watch it. But at the other, any other way, like the best way to watch this is either second screen or with a group, because doing stuff with friends always makes things better. Which yeah, are we set? Is that one of the morals of the show? <laughs> yeah. Hold on, wait a minute. I, I I'm gonna see if I can't enter my villain arc real quickly. Okay. This is essentially a Marvel film. Ooh. Hmm. Pen- think Marvel about it. Film. Think about bad Marvel the, films. Think about the scale this goes to, Nick and Joe. Uh huh. Huh. And think about the stakes. I can see where you're coming from. I'm not saying it's like a one to one either. Yeah. I think this is better than Marvel films because you know Marvel, what? Okay. because Marvel films hit that over the top. We need to bend the universe to win, but then um, they tried to keep going. Like when you talk about um, characters having no stakes anymore. As soon as as we got Endgame Part Two, I'm like nothing in this universe matters anymore. I mean, okay. To to be fair, yeah, Gurren Logan does know when it needs to end. So yes, demonstrably, this is better than a Marvel film. Okay. <laughs> I I I will take that compromise and leave. I will happily walk and away. You know, we'll say that that actually puts it. You know, to your point. That actually puts it a lot higher in my book than it would have been without yeah. that, you know, comparison you made there. Like, this show has a Hot Springs episode within the first 10 episodes. Like, I don't like when a show faffs about, and this show does, like, this show moves really quick within episodes, but, like, it does take a long time to do the full arc because you are meeting so many people who ultimately don't do that much. Like, I th- I think probably there is a better version of this show that is a, a machete cut where you cut out maybe half the episodes. Um, and maybe I'll work on that at some point because I got to do my full rewatch after this. Mm-hmm. I also want to say the music in this show fucking slaps. And if you can get your hand on the soundtrack, do it. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I feel be right back. I, I feel bad that we did not get row, row, fight the power in anything more than an eye catch in this selection. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually that's a great segue. Cause while we're talking about um, the soundtrack, we got to talk about ranking the opening song. Yeah. Oh man. That outro was awesome. I really enjoyed it. And you know, looking back, it would have been nice to have made a ranking of outros. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, the no, outro. Season two, season two. No, that that's our that's our our postseason content is we go back and we just do an episode where we rate Some all the outros. Games. Yeah. Oh, that would be fun, actually. Actually, yeah, that sounds dope. I'm on board. Uh, apparently they put in an intro too. <laughs> Joe, you are awesome and amazing. But I feel like every time you say that an intro is great, I am that horrible person who's like. <laughs> Just like the amount of characters, it just went on a little too long. I think with this one, for me, it's very specifically that it's one that I actually learned the lyrics to and could sing along to. 
but it stuck gotcha. with me so much. Mm-hmm. Like, to the point where I started, like, right when I was about to hit play on episode one, I was like, oh yeah, this show had some good music, if I remember. I, had, I think I have the soundtrack somewhere. And then as soon as it started, like, it pulled the memory up out of my brain, and I was singing along with it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, they also do an interesting thing with this series where um, pre-time skip uses the first verse of the song, and then post-time skip they use the second verse of the song, which is kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were, I think there were three um, ending themes over the course of the show. Which, it's weird. I really enjoyed the outros with this, so I would place it at eight and push Neil Gutter versus Shin Gutter Robo down. Okay. Uh, and you wrote down what the name of the song was, so I'm going to copy it. Sora Irodes. Okay, so we said we are not counting any of the gunmen as horses. Correct. Even though sometimes they have horns on their heads like horsicorns. Even though sometimes things happen. Oh, yeah. That's a. Hmm. Here's the thing, though. And th- this is, at this oh. point, basically a ceremonial uh, activity. Nia is technically an android waifu. In this election, we saw her for about 45 seconds. Yeah, I wouldn't want to put her... Like, that's not enough to get to know her. Then she gets straight to the bottom because she's there, has like five sentences. I have no attachment to her whatsoever. I wouldn't call her an android. Yeah, I, I don't know if android genuinely applies or extra dimensional hybrid. Uh, like, unless you're talking, we're talking genetics as coding, then, like. Uh, listen, like, I haven't I... done my full rewatch. <laughs> I, I, well, here's she, what I'd say. She does come out of a box. That's true. And Melfina's on this list. Born... She I, is I... Lord Genome's daughter. Yes. Uh, mm. like, I'm willing to play with science because this show absolutely does. Okay, listen, we're going to have to watch Bubblegum Crisis at some point and talk about the Bioroids, or oh. is that the other one and we need to talk about Boomers, or is that Dirty Pear? This no is just word salad. Boomers on this show. <laughs> what? Boomers don't get on this show. Um, okay, so I'm just going to put Nia question mark in fourth, um, and uh, I think we all know what it's time for now. What do we watch next on Deep in the Weeps? Well, we've certainly got a bunch of choices in left in this category of our modern average anime fair. We got four more left. We have Mars had got talent. Just a guy who's a hero for a hobby. Can I offer you a nice Jonana in this try and world line? And gangsters cause a ruckus on a train, and also everyone's immortal. You know, I really am going to keep Jelnana on there because it's just fun hearing you say that every time. <laughs> uh, let's meet up with them immortals on the train. Oh boy! All oh, right. shit. That means I have to pick episodes. I want to know where we're going to watch that. We'll figure it out. Um. So yeah. Uh. You have chosen Bacano. Bacano. Yep. Exclamation Isn't that included. the game about the balls? No. Isn't that the Hockey thing ball? that 
uh, Hedonist loves to throw? Bacchanal. It's a Bacchanal. Okay, good. Yes. <laughs> I'm actually happy about this because this is one I started to watch years ago and then it got stripped from Hulu and everywhere else. Mm. All right, well, with that said, it is a uh, old clock on the wall says it's time for us to get out of here. So uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us, and we will talk to you next time. And remember, believe in the us who believes in you. Wise word, bro. Deep in the Weebs is a show by Chuck, Nick, Joe, and Bob. Our theme music is Kawaii Friends by C. Cotty 3. You can find our show on YouTube or subscribe to the audio-only version on iTunes or wherever podcasts are served. Uh, should we do a quick 10 count again just to make sure there's no lag? One. Two. Three. Seven. Seven. Really? <laughs> All right, that's good. Enough. Of a number. Oh, my God. I'm good. I have our, our singer now.